Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tides of Death. Nick, how are you doing today? Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm excited. Been pretty hyped for getting this going mm-hmm. since we saw last week. I was so excited watching Tatum McWhiskey's cleric find his magical powers that um, I've been inspired for this last whole week. And, uh, you know, yesterday I got my first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. So that's pretty good news. Um, What's the first thing you're going to lick after your second dose in two weeks have passed? um, Maybe just like, I don't know, like a carrot or something in the supermarket. Oh, (laughs) just really live life on the the edge. (laughs) (laughs) Go lick some ice cream containers, open it up, and nice. No, that's too much like thievery, though. If you open the ice cream, that's too much. A rogue carrot. I mean, who's going to resent one lick? The person who watches (laughs) you put it back? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you peel carrots anyway, so, you know. Who peels a carrot? Do you Uh... actually peel your carrots? Okay, real real talk. Real talk. It depends on the carrot. Some carrots are gnarly and need peeling. Others you can get away with. Also depends what you're doing with it. You know, like if you're just putting it in a stew or a casserole or something, you can get away with not peeling it. But if you're doing like, you know, buttered carrots to serve as a side dish, you want to probably peel up. I know this isn't a cooking show, but I have one more question on the carrot topic. What is the benefit of peeling a carrot? Um, and you know, it's. No, it's not as dried out. Like the outside of the current maybe gets dry. It's a bit dirty. Looks nicer if it's peeled. Right. I mean, yeah. Shave the carrot's legs, you know, make it presentable. I get it. Okay. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Okay, cool. I, I don't know anything about cooking, so that's why I ask. But we're not here for your one of your famous cooking streams or contests. Not, not today, yeah. <clears throat> Another time. We are here to talk about Captain John Winters before he was a captain. Back when he was a lowly... Uh, not even Mr. John Winters. Just, He's just John. just John. Literally just John. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> Little did he know. Yeah, soon to be aspiring to greatness. I mean, at the start of the campaign, he's he's still just John. I mean, he's not really a captain and he's not really noble either. So he doesn't really have a surname. So actually, he's just John. John. Got just it. John, you know. Well, John, I have a question for you. Go ahead. When did you fall in love see? Ah, t'was a grand tale. Well, John here had a bit of a rough start, you know? Left home at a young age, wandering around the, uh, the towns and villages of Eridon, looking for his place in the world. When fate would one day find him stumbling upon a lovely coastal town by the name of, and now I need to think of a, a good coastal town. Not Whiteshaw, because you couldn't wander to Whiteshaw. What's a good coastal town, Neil? Not Anvil, that's got too many halflings in it. Shirebrook, it's been done, hasn't it? Been done. Yeah. Weatherlight, we're going there later. You know, maybe it's just Redport. Mm, the great walled city of Redport. Yeah. So I think, you know, John finds himself out in his ass. He's homeless. He's not got really much to do. He can sort of read and write a little bit. And he thinks maybe, you know, if I go to a big town, maybe in a big town I can find some work, find some way to feed myself, you know, make something of my 
pathetic and failing life. So there he is, you know, after wandering past um, Hillsborough, past what's the one in the middle called? Begins with the sea. Clydesdale. Past Clydesdale, up the road, darting away from all the griffins that attack travelers on the road around there, finally finds himself at the walls to Redport. First off, you know, he he's from an he, he lived in quite a nice place for a while, but it was just a little village, you know, nothing fancy. This is the first time he's ever really seen a large walled city. Mm-hmm. So there we find young John with um not much but a, you know, a small bag on his back and a dagger, staring up at the walls of Redport, wondering what opportunities lay inside, what great adventures will he find, you know. Who will he be in 10 years? Only one way to find out as he steps towards the guards on the gate. So, you know, expecting some uh, interrogation or something, you know, uh, life-altering to happen. The guards just usher him through the gates like he's just any other kid coming into the city. And I think his wandering eventually at some point finds him down near the dock. Maybe it's been a couple of days and uh, he's looking for food. Maybe trying to steal some fish from the the people there uh, pulling in the pulling in the, the shipping boats uh, pulling in the, the, the fishing holes I mean steals a few fish and you know one day a couple of days after getting there he's climbed up to the roof of some small building there sitting on the roof he's enjoying a fish that he's cooked maybe a bit of bread that he's managed to scavenge from the side of the road that some fancy person has thrown away and he watches a glorious ship come into the harbour we're talking like, you know, some sort of fancy merchant vessel. Hmm. It comes in, it lands on the dock. The gangplank, boom, comes down. And, you know, off from the ship marches these like three men in, you know, fancy leather armor with gleaming weapons at their side, followed by a man who must be the captain. He's got, you know, a large overcoat on. It's sort of dark brown, but with like red and gold trimmings. He's got a rapier at his side. He's got a really fancy hat with a feather in it. He's watching and just thinks, wow, look at it. Look at the life this man's lived. Imagine what he's seen, the places he's been, the people he's met. This guy could have done anything. I could do that. I could be a merchant. I could work on a ship. I could sail the seas. I could go to interesting places, find new and interesting creatures and kill them and eat them. God, I'm hungry. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I think, yeah, he just sits on this, the roof of this building, eating this fish that he's managed to steal, on this bit of bread that he's scraped out of the gutter. And he watches this uh, this captain and his crew come off their fancy merchant vessel and haul off all of the goods that they've taken from, you know, far away, distant lands. Maybe they've been to a Cuba or something like that. He imagines to himself as they, uh, yeah, haul, uh, haul their goods deep into the city. And I think, um, you know, he does a little bit of sneaking around, John. You know, he's good at blending into the shadows, staying hidden, saying the right word to get past a guard, knows how to slip into places that maybe he shouldn't be allowed. And I think, as creepy as it sounds, he maybe takes it upon himself to uh, follow the people of this ship around Redport for a few days while they're in town. I think he originally maybe tries to find his way into the tavern where the the captain is drinking, but is unable to, to get into such a fancy place. So hangs around the docks a little bit until he finds some of the sailors that he recognizes. Maybe hangs out in one of the taverns there, listening into their conversations. 
Not sure he really does anything at this stage, but you asked when he fell in love with the sea. I think it was in this moment. I think it was the beginning of a lifelong obsession with the wonders of the ocean, of traveling, seeing new lands, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et so you see these people. You've never really seen the ocean before, or at least not spent significant time there. If you've never seen a walled city, uh, then your character must be actually between come from somewhere between Clydesdale and Redport. Yeah, I think so. To pass one of these great walled towns. So this must not only be your first time falling in love with ships and sea, but quite possibly your first, maybe second time at the ocean. Maybe your family like took you on an ocean trip to one of these small like villages that aren't marked on our map. But um, first time at the ocean, first time falling in love with sails and the smells and the gulls and the. The heels on the gangplanks walking around, kicking up all this noise, the back and forth chatter of merchants and sailors and soldiers and cargo, the straining of ropes, the whipping of sails in the wind. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, the smell of the sea, right? Like on that on that roof, that fateful day eating this fish. Mm -hmm. It's the first day he spent really looking at the sea and the smell of it. It always brings him back to that moment. Every time he sees the sea, every time he smells it gets this burst of aspiration about what he could do and what life could be. Hmm. Right. So, we go from here to John being on a ship for the first time. So how does John, who's clearly in love with this and needs to see the world, venture out away from home, get involved in all these fun sort of shenanigans that are about to come up, how does John persuade someone to let him sail with them when John doesn't know shit about seamanship or rope use or sailing or rowing you start as a rower maybe how do you start well no because he's still like a young kid at this point I think this week that this ship spends in town John's stalking around following them after a few days maybe he plucks up the courage to speak to some of the sailors in the tavern he's kind of got in his head that he's gonna offer to them to work on their ship, right? This is this is the start of his new life. And uh, he eventually, on the on the day they're going to leave, he knows they're leaving, and he runs down to the docks. Uh, and he, he sees the captain as he's going onto the boat. He runs up behind him, like, you know, taps him on the shoulder. Captain, captain, my name's John. I, uh, I love your ship. I love your crew. I love everything you do. I just, I, I want a chance, you know? Give, give me a chance. Uh, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll clean the decks. I'll, I'll, um, well, I, t- to be honest, I don't know much about what it takes to be a sailor, but I, I'm willing to learn and I'm quick to learn. And I'm, I'm willing to do anything. So please. And I think maybe, um, this doesn't go as well as he might have hoped. And, uh, I, I think perhaps this, this this captain like turns him down, you know. We don't, oh no, this is nice, absolutely this is nice not. He's got use for you, but oh, it's really? maybe not what you were hoping for. Captain takes a look at you, takes off his big three uh, tricorn hat, mm-hmm. tucks it under his arm, squats down to the level of young. How old are we talking? Like thirteen, fourteen, fourteen, something like that. Yeah. Before you've had your big growth spurt, so you're a little bit short still. Mm-hmm. He looks you dead in the eye and goes, So, you want to board my ship, eh? I do. I want nothing more. I've been seeing you Do you know how to tie a rope? Last... Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I could tie a rope, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Do you know oh, how to mop a, a floor? Yes, I've mopped many a floor. My my mother told me. Mm-hmm. Your up mother a, nice a good-looking woman? We can always use more moppers. I shake my head. Uh, alas, I don't think I'll ever see my mother again. Ah. Yeah, it takes a look at you and squeezes your arm, spins you around a little bit. What's your strength, John Winters? Nine? <laughs> Well, mm, you're not strong enough to be a rower. He uh, takes a look around here. Along the dock, there's all these um, little pylons that hold it up, and they're spaced maybe four feet apart. And he points to the pylons and tells you to, like, leap from one pylon to the other all the way down the dock. Let's see if you've got any sort of, um, you've got good balance that he could use for one of these shippy tasks. Give me a dex yeah. check. I that see, like, I can do. I mean, John's been hanging around these docks for a while now, you know, stealing fish and the like. He's uh, He knows his way around these pylons, and I have no doubt that I will impress this man. Easy. 27. He sees you hop around and nods to himself. Oh, you're not completely useless. Tell me, do you know how to roast a chicken? Uh, I've helped my mum cook from time to time. Yeah, I can... Can roast the chicken, sure. Yeah. Just All right, get, son. get some butter. We need a new kitchen boy. And you're it. Really? I'll introduce you to the cook. You're going to work your ass off every day. Our crew eats three times a day, and you and the cook are gonna prepare all their meals. And when you're not cooking with him, you're gonna be mopping decks, folding sails, coiling rope, and polishing swords. You understand me? I understand. Thank you so much. Uh, I think he thinks Thank about you so much, hug, sir. But... Last Thank word so much, out of sir. your mouth, Kitchen Boy, is Sir. And from now on, until we tell you otherwise, your name is Kitchen Boy. You got that? Sir. Yes, sir. Excellent. My name is Captain Craig, and welcome to the Sea Wench. Hop aboard. Sir, Captain Craig, sir. And he runs on board the ship up the gangplank. Can't quite believe his eyes as the wood creaks beneath his feet, and he steps onto the deck for the first time. The rest of the crew looks over at you and kind of scratches their head. And the captain comes aboard with a, a bit of a laugh, slaps a few people around. Says, we need a kitchen, boy, unless you want to keep eating. And he, like, jerks a thumb in the direction of a uh, six-fingered sailor. Six-fingered Jesus. sailor. <laughs> uh, and they all kind of nod, like, yeah. you can overhear someone saying, like, he never peels the carrots. Why don't we ever eat peeled carrots? It's so weird. I can like, peel carrots. We got a young boy to peel our carrots now, lad. It'll be great. Um, and the sea wench heads out of harbor. So, um, awesome. First night aboard, uh, first day aboard the ship, you get to meet the cook. Mm -hmm. Let's roll us a die here. Uh, the cook is a woman by the name of. Um, Six is what they call her, because she has six fingers. Six. Mm -hmm. Lady Six. Lovely to meet you. Thanks, thanks for thanks for helping me here. I'll be the best. What, uh... What'd you call me? Huh? Lady Six? I ain't no lady, Sonny. And she like uh, gives you a she grabs one of these. Sir six? She like smacks you on the back with one ah. of these spoons. Uh and berates you for, you know, speaking out of turn. She seems to be a rough all over woman like she's got splinters coming out of her uh, she's not particularly friendly she clearly has had this uh, 
kitchen boy added so that she can like do her job right and she absolutely resents your presence on this ship because the implication is that she is failing her job because of her six fingers and that they she needed like a child to help her so in her eyes you are like you know not only her future replacement but also a sign of her weakness and she Mm. is mad with you she has you do all the dirtiest jobs she has you scrubbing out scrubbing out all the big pots and then when it's clean like definitely clean enough for a bunch of sailors she'll look in and find some like minuscule piece of something and have you like clean the whole thing Mm. out over again um she drives you hard uh well i think uh, a couple of things right john makes it his mission to win six round you know he's a charming boy he hopes that by the end of this encounter with her however long it lasts that uh, once this is all over he can call her a friend and at first i think he works really hard you know this is the first job he's had in his life i think it becomes pretty obvious to him pretty quickly that the life of a kitchen boy is not all it's cracked up to be not that it's cracked up to be that much but you know it's a lot of hard work not much in it for him really mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of being below decks working in the kitchen and not very much being on the top deck seeing out at the stars, seeing the sails, seeing the dolphins. You know, you'll hear people on the decks above calling out to wondrous things, and at best you might be able to, like, sneak away to one of these portholes to try and glimpse what's being seen before, uh, you know, before Six drags you back with one of her fingers back to the the stew that you're supposed to be working on. Uh, Tell me, well, show me how long it takes you, if you can at all, uh, to get on side of Six's good side well charisma check what i'm saying yeah so i mean let's talk about how i go about it first so i think of course john does have high charisma right and part of this is understanding social circumstances and sort of social cues so he picks up pretty quickly that she's scared of being replaced here and she resents the idea that she can't do her job properly Mm. so he kind of goes out of his way to downplay his own ability to like do the things that she does and also compliment the food quite a lot compliment her about how much of a good job she's doing you know Mm. continually like thanking her for teaching teaching him you know i'd never have been able Mm -hmm. to do this without your help trying to bring her on side like that and you know working in a a fast-paced environment like that high stress i think it does tend to cause bonding over Mm -hmm. time so i think there's a pretty good shot here so we'll do a little charisma check okay we get 29 perfect that is Quite a good roll there. Uh, yeah, so the first voyage is a long one. Your party sets out from Redport uh, to take up supplies here and deliver them all the way to Crublin on the other side of Drekus. There you're picking up supplies of iron, which you're taking all the way to Talushar, sort of secretly. You, uh, when you get to Crublin, you can overhear as you're like standing on the, the the bridge of the ship, listening to the captain buying and hauling cargo around, uh, that they tell everyone they're going to be taking the iron all the way to Drune's Bar to the free cities and selling it there. But once back aboard the ship, you guys make quickly for Talushar to sell your iron in that place. Um, and it's this first voyage from Redport to Crublin to Talushar that. You and Six begin to develop a little bit of a rapport. You seem to be following commands. You seem to be uh, pretty, what do you call it, on top of your duties and responsibilities. 
And it quickly becomes apparent that even if the cook is going to be replaced eventually by you, you're only a 14-year-old kid, and there's no way you're, like, taking her job anytime soon. Not to mention, yeah, it's, it's going well. She could use the assistant begrudgingly. Um, he begins to grow fondly of you. Yeah, I think it probably helps that I'm not sure that John has, like, a, a huge natural affinity for cooking. You know, he does a, a passable job. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, we're only feeding sailors, so, you know, how good do you actually have to be at cooking? But, uh, mm-hmm. seriously, you know, it's certainly They'll not his life's calling. Yeah. All right. Um, it is when you guys arrive in Taul Ushar that the first bit of danger of this life becomes apparent to you. Everyone gets off the ship as the cargo is being unloaded. Even Six goes aboard to pick up some specific spices that can only be found in Akuba. I mean, you can find them in other port towns, but they're way cheaper here because this is where they're grown, right? Yeah, um, I and... think John. Sorry, to interrupt. John will take any opportunity to be on board on to, on the top deck. So as soon as like Six is going to gather supplies, he'll like you know run up after her and uh, yeah. If he's not allowed off the ship, you know maybe he'll he'll climb a bit of a mast or something to get a good view of the town. Mm-hmm. And one of the important lessons that you learn here in this place is to never leave your ship unguarded. The captain, all the crew, even Six, wants to get off, see some land for a little bit, check out this foreign port, shop around, go to a tavern, hit up a brothel, whatever it is that the sailors want to do here. Uh, but someone's got to stay behind with the ship, right? And first off, Talishar's no place for a little boy, so they leave you on the boat, but you're not old enough to watch the boat. So the sailors draw straws, and one person, um, a middle-aged man, probably like 45, named Bones, pulls the short straw. Have I spoke to Bones before? Are me and him acquaintances at all? Uh, You know, you've seen him, you know the name, you know the face, but... Maybe I've served him a bit of stew at a table. Certainly, but there's not been much in the way of communication. I think you've only been with the ship for... A few weeks, maybe a month at this point. Um, and he is supposed to take the watch. But Bones is a little bit of a drunkard. And the mm. moment everyone's gone, he goes over to the uh, rum barrel, pops off the lid, begins to pour himself a mug. And you know, everyone's got a very specific ration of rum. And there's a very specific amount of it on the ship. And this guy's clearly pulling out way more than he's supposed to because no one's around to see any better. He catches you looking at him and he eyes you, leans over to you and goes like a then takes a poor rub and hands it over to you as well. I nod. I look over my shoulder. Make sure that no one's watching and I will uh, take a glass of rum from him or a mug of rum. It's probably not the first sip of rum that John's had. I'm sure he's like snuck one from six at the end of a long oh, shift absolutely. or something like that. Y- you may be 14 years old, but that is well past the drinking age of six yeah. years old in this world. So, um, yeah. You, you, you get rations of rum just like everyone else. But while you, the two of you are hanging out on the boat, keeping an eye, John falls into a nice drunken stupor. It's a warm day. Mm-hmm. He's got the rum. The wind's blowing in his hair. He, like, sets up his hammock on the main deck so he can just, like, sway back and forth in the wind. And soon his mug falls from his hand, rolls across the deck, spilling a little bit of rum. Yeah, I think it's easy for him to relax here because this is probably the first time since that first day on Redport 
that he's actually experiencing what it is he set out to experience, which is like seeing strange and new sights on the top deck. So he's you know pretty contented right now. Yeah. Um, and that's when you see a group of people coming down the deck. It looks like some youths, you know, kids between the ages of 16 and 24 uh, who are playing some sort of game, tossing things back and forth as they come down the dock. You know, the ball keeps getting tossed forward and everyone runs after it. They throw it back, it gets tossed forward, rolls a little bit farther down the docks. Um, and in this big, complicated, swaying game of balls being chucked around, it somehow gets kicked onto the ship and, like, rolls way over to the far side, almost falling off. Hmm. It's your duty to watch the ship. Well, it's John's duty to watch the ship and make sure no one gets on. But it's just a bunch of kids and their ball gets kicked onto your boat. Yeah, am I... You said drunk and stupor. Am I just drunk? I'm not asleep. You're... You're as sober as you want to be. John is like passed out in a hammock. Yeah. Bones, you mean? Bones, yes. Sorry. Oh, it's Bones that fell asleep, not me. Right, right. Bones is the one who passed out in the hammock. You, he gave you like one uh, big mug of wine and then closed the, the lid on the thing again. Okay. Um. So I look over to, to Bones and see him like, you know, slumped over against a barrel or something like that drooling from the side of his mouth clearly like passed out spilling the precious rum on the deck of the ship mm-hmm. you know i'll probably have to clean that up before the captain gets back so we're Absolutely. not so we don't get found out um and then this ball like you know flies over my head i like look incredulously at the people who've thrown this ball making sure it's not the captain or something and i see these stupid kids or whatever you know are they stop are they like waving at me looking yeah for the they watch the ball go over and they start waving at you and someone says kick it back throw it back and they wave hands in your direction clearly not wanting to hop on the gangplank up onto the ship they know the rules you don't board a ship yeah so i will um i walk over through the side of the deck and grab that ball Great. give me a charisma right. check no no wait, wait 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 hang on i grabbed the ball I, I walk past Bones, back to their side of the ship, you know, where they're on the, they're on the port. And um, I hold the ball up and I say, you know, men to be playing with things like this around our ship. The captain will have your head. This is ours now. And I throw it back over my shoulder. Give me that charisma check. Yeah. 33, let's go. Yeah, as the ball sails from your hand, you just instinctively do a quick head count and realize the group of youths is too shy of what they were a moment ago before you before you turned your back to them to go after their ball. Uh-oh. Two of them are mysteriously missing. Panicking, right? He thinks about saying something to them and then he quickly turns around and runs up to, to Bones and starts like, well, no, maybe I don't wake him up yet. I like, is there another way onto the ship other than up the gangplank? I Did guess I hear if it? you could have, you could in theory swim to the side of the ship and then if you're really good at climbing, climb up the side of the ship, which is going to be really fucking hard. You'd have to be great, like yeah. an excellent climber um, no. and do it that way. Or in theory, maybe you could swing from one ship to another if you had the right length of rope in the right spot. Yeah, okay, but they, they haven't done that. And would I have heard them going up the gangplank or is it feasible that they could have come up the gangplank and gone below deck or something like that without yeah, me seeing them? It's feasible. It's unlikely, but feasible. I uh, I look back at them. I will... Um, can I pull the gangplank onto the deck? 
Um, yeah, you know, this is gonna be your first time pulling the gangplank on the deck. It's a long piece of wood, and it just looks like a big, big plank of wood. And so John, the youth who's only been on ships for uh, maybe a month, is really not used to the weight and leverage of this huge-ass okay. gangplank. So I'm yeah. gonna ask you to make me a strength check as you pull it on. Failure so it's not to drop it in the sea. Drop it in the sea. Okay, well, I do it anyway. Let's go. 20. Easy. Yeah. Uh, the weight is awkward. You go to lift it, and immediately it begins to tug and pull forward and down, but you cling with all your weight and slowly jerk it back up onto the ship, and it's fine. You get it on board. Um, okay, I, uh, The kids I, laugh at you as you, like, clearly struggle with the weight of the gangplank. Sure. I run back to Bones. He's still asleep, right? Mm -hmm. I reach into his scabbard and pull out his rapier and then head below deck. Yeah, as you draw the rapier, the kids on the walkway bolt and break, taking the ball and fleeing. No, wait, wait, hang on. I didn't throw the ball back to them. I throw it over my shoulder, like, back onto the ship. Oh, oh, well, yeah, you draw the rapier, and they... Oof, they want their ball, uh, but they... No, their gangplank's gone. They stay there. They they laugh at you for pulling out the rapier. What's All a right. little boy going to do with the sword, huh? You're going to stab <laughs> yourself? I ignore that. I need to make sure that their friends aren't on the ship. Hopefully they've just fucked off and gone done something else, but I will head below deck and start calling out. Yeah. Hey, you guys are meant to be down here. Yeah, and you see them. Uh, one oh, of them shit. is kneeling before the captain's door uh, with some lockpicks in hand, trying to pick it. Uh, the other one, who seems to be further deep, uh, deeper into the hold, you have, like, kind of catch their heel going around the corner as the other one is hanging out next to the door with some picks. Um, he throws a look over his shoulder at you and just, leave, you know, holds both picks in one hand and makes, like, a shh to you. Goddamn. Um, am I anywhere near the kitchen? How long, how much distance is there between me and him? You are four steps from the floor that he's on and then maybe another 10 steps away. So really close. And where's the kitchen? Far away. Uh, so when you come down the stairs, the captain's door is the first door there. The room next to the captain is the kitchen. So like just to the side of the kid is the entrance into the kitchen. Hmm. And this kid's what? Like 16, 17? Yeah, somewhere in that area. I'm not sure he's a cold-blooded killer just yet. Yeah, what do you do? Murder someone for sneaking onto a boat? Well, he's trying to break into the captain's quarters. I, uh, I, I hold the rapier in front of me, taking a few steps forward. Hey, what are you doing? That's the captain's quarters. Get away from there. You shouldn't be on here. Don't worry, I'll give you some. Oh, we can both make out like bandits. The other guy's still passed out, right? Well, keep an eye out for me. And as if you're on the same side, he just turns his back to you and continues picking at the lock. Interesting. I think, like, he's not responding to my threats. Mm -hmm. I'm not really prepared to attack him with the sword. I was kind of hoping to, like, scare him off. So I think John kind of stands there, mouth agape, like, watching, like, looking over his shoulder, like, hoping that Bones isn't going to wake up, like, just not sure what to do here. Hmm. All right, well, um, 
few minutes, moments pass, and the kid finally clicks the lock, opens the door, uh, and like waves you into the doorway with him as he enters the captain's room and starts rummaging around for things, looking for quick and easy money. Nothing complicated, no jewels, no books, nothing that he would need to sell, looking for cold, hard cash so he can get on and get off. Um, so I think, you know, John takes a few steps into the room and says, you know, I don't, I don't know about this. Maybe you should just leave. I'll, I'll, I won't tell the captain anything. The kid looks up at you and goes, good, good. And uh, goes back to what he's doing until he finds a bag of gold. He picks it up, yells out, Jim, we got it. Uh, comes over to you, pulls two gold coins out of the bag and hands them over to you. Says, I, uh... We're keeping a good eye out. I don't know what to do. I feel like, like, you know, this captain's the only person that believes in John in the whole world right now. I think I reach my left hand to take the coins, and then... And he quickly moves right on past. Like, once you're reaching out, he puts the coins in your hand and, like, hurries out the door. Well, I was going to say, maybe... No, I'm hesitating. It's fine. Yeah. I take the coins. I uh, I thought about doing something, but it's it's too late. I, too late. I have the coins in my hand. I, lo- I look down at them. And the other then... kid comes from the hold, runs past the doorway with you, up another set of stairs. He's got a bag over his shoulder. No idea what's in it. Uh, and the two de- kids are on the top deck before you know it. Then you hear the sound of wood sliding. A gangplank. You can hear them trying to maneuver it into position. I run up the stairs and uh, put the coins in my pocket and run up to Bones and start, like, slapping him awake as they're trying to put the gangplank in place. Bones wakes up pretty quickly once someone's actually smacking him around. He might be a little passed out, but he's still, like, on watch and a sailor. So he, like, struggles too and then sees the kids. They're stealing from the captain. He rolls out of the hammock, no problem, goes over, lands a kick on the rump of the kid with the bag over his shoulder. Uh, The bag falls to the ground. The kid topples head over heels. We'll give the kid a dex check. Uh, And falls off the edge of the ship into the water with a big splash. One who has the gold turns to face Bones and pulls a small knife out of a, a hidden sheath somewhere on him. Bones reaches for his rapier and comes up empty. I mean, I hand it to him immediately, right? Like, as soon as I wake him up, I'm, like, handing him his sword. If he ah, runs off to kick the guy straight away, then maybe I don't, but as soon as... Yeah, yeah, he goes to reach the sword, and then the hilt is there in his hand, and yeah. he draws it, levels it at the kid, threatens the kid's life. Kid drops the bag of coins, jumps off the ship into the water, and um, two of them are gone. John looks I still back got your you. ball, you fucks. Sorry, I didn't actually say that. <laughs> John whirls around back to you and goes, and that, kid, how you keep an eye out. What did they take? And he comes on over and sees the bag of gold coins, goes, oh, well, that's not good. Goes over to the big bag, you know, the bag that was over the kid's shoulder and opens it. And it's all these like random personal effects of various sailors. You know, one of them, some things that are worth some money that you might have to pawn or sell. Um, some little bits of weird stones, some uh, statues that you would use to like pray to specific deities that are like 
nicely made and lined with silver and some gold in some places. Uh, sm other small quantities of money, a few gems. You know, good a good haul for children, but nothing too much. Sure. Takes a look through all the stuff. Look at the captain's bag. Takes a look at you and goes, uh, what'd you see, kid? They, uh, they threw their ball on the ship and I was going to get it for them. And by the time I turned around, I noticed a few of them were missing. Mm -hmm. I tried to wake, I, I tried to wake you up, but, uh. You saying I was sleeping on watch? Oh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe you were just, uh. Distracted or something. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you didn't say it. I'm incompetent on watch. I, I didn't say that. Distracted anyway. on watch is incompetent on watch, kid. Well, listen, Bones. I mean, what do you want me to say? You tell me what to say. I'll, I'll, I'll tell the captain, but I. They, they snuck on and you didn't, you didn't see them and. I chased them down. I, I tried That's to. That's not I, how it went down. No. Those six kids kicked the ball onto their ship and swarmed up the deck. I pushed them all off and brought the gangplank on board while two snuck down in there. And you, smart boy that you are, stopped them from entering into the captain's quarters. Or you caught them once they were inside. And he hands you the bag of gold. And you got this from him. And the other one. Well, and he, like, starts to move some of the stuff back downstairs. Well, we caught him red-handed in the act. Chucked him off the boat. You get me? Sure. Yeah, I get it, Bones. Don't worry. But Vlad taps you on the shoulder a few times and uh, slides the gangplank back into its position, climbs back into his hammock and, like, leans over, so now he's watching that side of the ship. Then uh, you notice his eyes don't close again, but he fiddles in his yeah, so I think after this encounter, John will go down to his quarters, wherever they are, somewhere below the deck, and he will lie in his in his bed by whatever <clears throat> whatever light comes in through the um, the portals, and he will run his fingers over these two gold coins that he's managed to get his hands on, the first gold that he's ever touched in his life, probably for more than at least you know a passing moment, and he dreams and thinks, you know, seeing new land. Got some gold in my hands. Everything's coming up rosy. And uh, he starts to think about what to tell the captain once he gets back here. Because so maybe he's learned a little lesson from Bones here, you know? The truth's not all that matters. Sometimes it's just the story you spin. And uh, Bones' story certainly helps Bones. But maybe there's a better story that we could come up that would that would help John a bit more. Oh. What do you got? Well, I think maybe we we say that um, Bones was asleep on duty and I saved the day. Maybe no one would believe me that I kicked these, these kids off the boat. Well, you've got some time to think about it. Um, yeah, he muses. Maybe an hour or two after the sun has gone down you can hear the drunken sailors coming up the deck, uh, the dock, up the pier, up the gangplank. You can hear their boots on the top deck uh, as someone begins to break into the barrel of ale, uh, the, the 
barrel of rum that's, you know, just down the staircase, just right next to the captain's quarters. And the crew continues their, their binging uh, when they get back to the ship. And you can hear the voice of the captain above you. You can actually see shadows through the planks above. Um, that was cast by the lanterns they're carrying. As the captain asks Bones how watch went. Uh, Bones is a little bit tired, and he gives the captain a quick, like, ah, some kids came onto the ship after kicking their ball, but we got rid of them. Kept the ball, though, and hands the captain the, the soft ball of cloth that they've got. The captain moves on, comes down to the uh, area where you are, comes over to his quarters door. I'm, like, nearby waiting for the captain to get to his quarters. As soon as he gets there, I'm going to come around the corner with the bag of gold. Captain. With the bag, yeah. This is yours. I, uh, I hand it to him. What is it, kitchen boy, he says, and grabs the bag and hefts it. Sounds like coins. It is. It's, it's your coins, sir. Sir, your coins, sir. It's the the, the the kids that got on the boat. They tried to steal it. This is, this is what they took. I got it back for you. He reaches for the doorknob on his door, and it's unlocked. And he mm. pushes it open, looks back at you, goes... Bones told me he kicked all the kids off before any trouble happened. Sir, I caught them red-handed, sir. I, I came down here. I saw the the biggest of them looting around in your in your room. I chased him off, but he managed to grab this gold before he got back to the deck. Mm-hmm. Luckily, um, luckily Bones managed to put an end to him, or get the gold back off him at least. Captain goes in, sits down uh, by his desk, and pushes out a small box for you to sit on and waves you into the room, saying, leave the door open. Okay, I gingerly come in and sit down, feeling the gold coins in my back pockets against my buttocks. He empties the bag of coins onto his table and starts counting them out, putting them in stacks of five. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty. You know a bag of coins contains about a pound, which is usually fifty. 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. And you can see he's going to come up with 48. That was a full bag of 50 coins. 45, 46, 47, 48. And he stops. So, I've got two ideas here. One is to try and, like, sleight of hand the coins onto the floor so it looks like they just fell out or something like that. Not of my pocket, but of the back. But I guess the bag was tied, so that wouldn't really happen easily so i think the alternative plan is to uh just say nothing look bemused all right counts out 48 coins and looks at you what's wrong we're missing two gold coins you know how much a gold is worth quite a lot Buy a man's time for a long, long time with two pieces of gold. He just looks at you, waiting for some sort of response. And uh, an awkward silence dawns as you say nothing for a little bit, and he's clearly just waiting for you to break. Yeah, I hold my nerve here. And after a while, I guess I'll say, um, 
Maybe they, maybe they got lost when Burns grabbed the, the coins from the thief. Gosh, you said you caught him red-handed. I did, but I didn't get the bag from him. He ran away. Burns took it off him. Bones had the bag of coins then, huh? Yeah, sir, but but Bones Bones rescued them from the thief. He handed them back to me to look after them. Not possible that we have two thieves on this ship, is it? Well, I did I knew I should Go have get Bones. Mopped. Bring him here. I knew I should have mopped up that room. I've run out of the uh I've run out of the the cabin. Mm -hmm. Bones is up with the rest of the sailors, indulging in plenty of drink as everyone continues their carrying on and boarding. Okay, fuck. I don't want to give up my gold here, but I also don't want to lose my job. So I'm going to try and I'm going to I'm going to have to tap on Bones's like back right to get his attention. Mm -hmm. I assume that he's pretty drunk by now. Mm -hmm. I want to. You know, it's normal. I'm a kid. I'm running around the ship a lot. I want to, like, run up to Bones, like, bump into a few people on the way, kind of stumble into him, and then try and sleight of hand the coins into his back pocket. Hey. So, you are also, in addition to being, a, eventually, in addition to being a fighter, you're also eventually going to be a rogue. Yes. This is going to be your very first pickpockets attempt, uh, right? Does this count as pickpockets, not just a dex check? This is a pickpockets attempt. Um, so your base pickpockets, I think, is 20, 15 base, five more for... Um, dex. Dex. And so, five for not wearing any armor as well. So right, it should be 25. So 25. Give me a D100, roll a 25 or lower. No, oh, it's fucking broken. Okay, no, I'll, just roll, I'll, just, I'll just roll a D100. Oh, shit doesn't work you tried to like slip the coins into one of his pockets but you can't with all the jostling going around you just can't like actually find the opening into his pocket well enough before you have already bumped into him and gotten his attention it was a narrow window of opportunity mm. and it closes and passes so okay, rolls so around I... to look at you what is it kitchen Wait. boy oh, yeah? captain wants to see you did i i didn't drop the coins and i just didn't get mm. the chance you just to plan couldn't them. yeah yeah um so when with pickpockets um, I think 95 and above is like bad catastrophic failure. failure. Yeah. yeah, and then there is a three percent chance per level of the person you're trying to pickpocket that they actually notice you. So um, if if uh, Bones was a level 10 fighter, then if you had rolled a 70 or above, Bones would have noticed the pickpocket attempt and actually caught you red-handed. It's possible if you had rolled like. Hypothetically, if your pickpocket's chance is 80% and you roll like an 80, you can successfully pick his pocket and him notice you at the same time. Um, we're at the area where you have failed to pick his pocket, but not so badly failed that you like drop things and he isn't high enough level to notice. So this is sort of like a nothing changes. The attempt is just wishes, wafts, kills. The word I can't think of, it doesn't matter. Washes. Whiffs? It whiffs. Whiffs? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, do uh, we pass Do we pass the quarters on the way down to the captain's quarters or not? I no, assume our quarters are deeper down. The very first one. And your quarters are um, mobile. Everyone's got a hammock. You string up the hammock wherever you want to sleep. Most people will sleep in, like, the hold, the, the cargo hold. Some people will sleep on the top deck on a nice night. 
Some people will sleep way down, like, the room where the ballast is. Um, you can kind of set up quarters wherever you want. What about, is there any, like, gaps in the deck? Mm -hmm. Like, little holes that I could slip the coins into so they fell down into the mm -hmm. into the hold and maybe go and try and retrieve them later? Is that a reasonable If they thing? fall down into the hold, there's little chance that you would find them first. If you drop them between decks and they land in a place where they can be found, someone else is probably likely to find them the moment they come in there. Um, or they'll drop between decks and roll somewhere that no one's going to find them. No one's ever going to find them. Yeah. Um, goes he heads down towards the captains, walks across the deck, goes down the stairs. I assume you're following behind him, right? Well, if I could get away to go and plant the gold somewhere, that would be nice. But uh, I think what I would do is um, come to the door of the captain's quarters and sort of stand outside it as Bones goes inside. Bones goes inside, and uh, you can see the captain finger you in as well. Okay, I uh, I follow him, looking confident. Bones gives the captain a bit of a salute, says, uh, yes, yes, Captain Cragen, there's something you need. And the captain points to the piles of gold in front of him. Nine full piles and the one not-quite-full pile. Says, Bones, can you explain the missing two coins? Thought you said you caught the thief. Bone goes, I did. The bag was closed and tied, and I handed it back to the kitchen boy. Told him to put it away. I nod. Captain looks to you. Well, kitchen boy, did you find two gold somewhere? Sir, that's what I did, sir. I just held onto the bag that Bones gave me, and I gave it back to you as soon as you got back down here. I... Because of the mess in the room, I didn't just want to leave it here. I wanted to explain it to you what, 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 what it happened. Well, then. It appears, Bones, that the child managed to steal two gold. And it's coming out of your pay. In addition, I think it's time for some discipline. And he grabs a bosun whistle from beside him, uh, blows on it a few times, and you can hear the whole crew beginning to straighten up on the top deck. You can see Bone's face goes a little bit white. And as the captain gets up, he grabs this uh, this cat o' nine tails. It doesn't actually have spikes on it, but it's a series of like leather whips all bound together. Um, yeah. And the captain walks you and Bones up to the top deck where it is announced to the crew has happened that thieves have come aboard the ship, that Bones failed to... Uh, searched them after he kicked them off the ship, that two gold coins were missing coming out of his pay, and that everyone should check their own possessions to make sure nothing else was taken. And in addition, Bones is going to take a flogging for it. <laughs> and so uh, they tie him up to the mast, and everyone takes a turn getting a flogging on him. Each person flogs him twice for the two gold coins. Oh my god. The captain's going to hit him four times. Now, when we talk about this flogging, this is like... The whole crew wins Nine twice. leather cords all wrapped together and then tied. So the, it's not like whipping a person, which is one small strand at high speed. This is lots of strands at like medium speed. So it's painful mm. and definitely humiliating, but it's not going to like leave bloody scars. It's going to leave like welts, but not like break the skin. Um, so yeah. This is a punishment, but it's not, you know, it's definitely painful, but it's not going to scar him life or anything 
<clears throat> yeah. The whole well, crew you know. takes their turn. The captain's the last to go, and right before him, the captain hands you the oiled leather straps. Says, son, it's your turn to learn how things work on a ship. So we work yes, together sir. as a crew, as a team, when we watch each other's backs. Any one of us screws up, we all end up paying the price, which is why when someone makes a mistake, we all work together to punish him. It's not that we don't like Bones. You see, he's still employed here. He's still one of our crew. He's still a family member, and we'd still all give our lives for him. But Bones fucked up. He needs to be reminded of it. And each of us need to take a turn to remind him that he's failed us. He failed you. Go show him what's for. Say yes, sir. I, uh, I cry, grab the, the whip. Mm-hmm. I sort of run the, the tails across my left hand. Um, and then I, I throw it into my left hand instead. And I try it the other way, see which way feels a bit more natural, being ambidextrous and all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think to myself, you know, the whole crew's already whipped him and I'm only a kid. It's probably fine. And I, uh, I do my duty. As you approach him, he's like, you know, tied to the deck. Hasn't said a word. Tears definitely streaming down his eyes from the pain, but he like holds it together. Uh, you can also see someone has given him a little piece of wood with yeah. cord wrapped around it to bite on. And as he looks down from like underneath his arm back at you, you can see his eyes narrow in your direction. And you can see it's plain on his face that he thinks, no evidence, but he thinks that you stole the coins. Wow. And he is despite the suspicion and despite the suffering he's going through right now, he hasn't said a thing. He hasn't tried to blame you. He hasn't tried to like shift the wrath of the crew on anyone. He stares you down with icy eyes. Fair enough. I'd like to say to my own conscience that I've not blamed him either. I mean, I did steal it and I did let him take the fall, but I've not cast any doubt as to his honor as I uh, pull my arm back and give him the two whips. Right, you give him the two whips. The captain gives him four, twice for the ship, twice for the captain, and uh, and that's that. The end of the night of drinking. Everyone goes to their quarters. Two other people are put on watch, and um, that is that. You guys set sail the very next day, leaving Talu Shar with the goods and spices that you got there, heading to Shelton and uh, Walshin, where you can sell these wonderful spices to the humans and the elves who delight in them. Perfect. Got more cargo and continue around Arcadia in a constant circle from one uh, port to another. You're going to learn a little bit about how cargo was moved and the, the methods of trade. You'll see that these people have an idea of what is valuable in which places, and then they pick up the things that they think they can sell later and do their best to offload them. Sometimes it doesn't go well. Sometimes uh, a barrel isn't fully sealed and some bolts of silk get wet and ruined. Um, Sometimes the winds die down low enough that extra cargo gets chucked off board so the ship can catch whatever little bits of wind possible and move on to the next area. And you will learn a little bit about sailing. Very I think good. this is where we're going to end our first segment. We are going to come back on the other side of our break with Pokemon Champion. Challenges. Uh, challenges, sorry. 
Although he is a champion of Pokemon. All right. Yes. I was watching uh, your stream earlier. And the next chapter underway. So we will see you guys on the other side of our break with a little bit more Tides of Death. Bye-bye. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tides of Death. We are here with Pokemon Challenges. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I am great. Uh, and we're going to learn a little bit about your character. Um, first off, what is your character's name? My character's name is Archie B. Alder. Excellent. Why does that sound so familiar to me? Probably because it kind of sounds like Archibald, right? Ah, there we go. Archibald, Archibald. I see what's happening. I see. You're smarter than me. Um, we're going to pick up your character's backstory a long, long time ago, before you really... Uh, met Captain John Winter before you met the rest of the crew. We're going to go back in time to when you were a young lad and someone screwed you over. Someone that you were close yes. to. Someone that you were friends with or had a lot of trust in. Uh, who yes. is this person that you trusted to have your back that fucked you over? Well, I would imagine since Archie um, was separated from his parents by one way or another um, fairly early in his life, um, I could imagine that before he joined the military, he was just kind of out on the streets of the town, you know, following people um, that he thought he could trust, that he thought, you know, he could make uh, form a bond with or, or that, that could, like, guide him through this, like, very troubling um setting that he grows up in right mm -hmm. um because he was all alone so he needed to find someone that could guide him so maybe he met a person out there when he was young who he thought he could trust and then wronged him ah so after what before we get into that then what was the circumstance of you departing your family or your family departing um, you I think this was something that happened fairly early in Archie's life that he barely remembers. Um, merely, maybe because of trauma, um, but pretty much ever since he can think, he's he has like hazy memories of his family, but mostly he remembers like being alone in like a very maybe not even a house, but some sort of like um, living situation where he was just kind of all on his own and had to fend for his own and eventually leave that place because it would just not be livable for him anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you will be a young lad on the streets of a significant town. Um, we're going to say Clydesdale. It is the sure. capital city of Wake County, probably where you grew up. And... Um, you're a young boy defending for yourself on the streets of Clydesdale when you meet a person. A person who is a middle-aged woman who's going to take you in, help you survive for a little bit. Her name? Have a name in mind for this woman? Um, what about... Okay. Okay, uh, her name is Amber. Amber. Yes. At least that's the name she tells you. The 
Amber finds you on the streets one day where you're struggling to get by and survive. You're walking yes. through one of these side passages of Clydesdale, looking for little bits of scraps that people might have thrown out when Amber, not a particularly well-dressed woman, her clothes are used. Um, she's got that sort of not quite street urchin quality about her, but that like really lower class quality about her. Her face is yeah. dirty, her hair is sort of matted. It's clear that she cuts it herself with a dagger. So it kind of like, it's not, it's like going all over the place, weird lengths. Um, you'll see that she has a knife tucked in her belt at her side that she tries to keep covered with a long shirt. Um, and she sees you in one of these back alleys looking for scraps and calls you over with a warm biscuit in hand. And we're talking American biscuits, not British biscuits. Got it. So the good ones. That's the right answer. You can start two levels higher. <laughs> <laughs> um, she calls you over with a warm biscuit in hand. What are you going to do? Um... Well, I'm obviously very enticed. I'm very hungry, and I can smell the biscuit, the like butteriness. The, the I, I can like almost see how like it's it's like flaky and and wonderful. And I probably haven't eaten something proper in a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. So, um, I think I'll definitely be enticed. I'll be a little bit skeptical, a little bit um wary, but I'm so hungry and. Uh, this person seems um doesn't seem very threatening to me so I'm gonna Mm -hmm. move over to her and um just maybe just so I can smell the biscuit a little bit better yeah she sees you coming forward and says don't don't be afraid it's okay I've got plenty more what's your name little man um I'm Archie ma'am Archie, I'm Amber. It's nice to meet you. Here, eat something. Look, you look like you could use some strength. I'll very cautiously um, stick up my stick up my hand and take the biscuit and grab it so she can't like pull it back, right? Yeah. She, and then she releases the biscuit, sees you munch on it, and motions to a doorway a little bit down the alley and says, would you like to come in away from the rain? If there's warm inside, there's a fire, there's some more biscuits. I'm shaking a little bit and I just, as I'm munching, I just nod and I kind of waddle towards her. She leads you down a half flight of stairs into a half-submerged room underneath the walkways of the street. There's a little bit of water leaking in from the sides, some pools forming on the ground, but the center of the room is dry enough. There's some tables here. There's a small fire going on one of the the walls. The tables have chairs stacked on them. It looks like this is maybe some sort of defunct tavern or some sort of old dining room or something that has been sort of abandoned. You can see that there's like a doorway leading into a, a long defunct kitchen. Uh, there's cracked dishes on the ground around here. But the, the the bar section inside the kitchen still has a barrel on it that looks freshly tapped with still a little bit of some sort of 
fluid le- uh, leaking from it. And she pulls out a, a chair for you, heads back into that defunct kitchen, and brings you out three more biscuits and sets them down on a dirty, cracked plate for you. Um, and then looks you over a little bit and says, Archie, right? You look like quite the strong lad. What are you doing begging for scraps in the in the back alleys of Clydesdale? I look at her with big eyes and kind of look back and forth, back and forth between her and like the biscuits on the plate. Um, and I'll say, I don't have anywhere else to go. I thought that might be the case. Well, I can always use an assistant. You can stay here. It's not much. There's a room in the back where you can make up some sort of bed if you can find anything for it. And uh, there's a kitchen. It works. We've got enough food to feed ourselves for a little while. I've got some plans of making some money, but I'm going to need some help. I need a, a strong lad to help me out with this. Do you think that could be you? I'm going to glance at the biscuits one more time, and then I'm going to nod profusely. I'm going to say, yes, yes, yes. I can, I, can, I can lift a lot of things. I can do a lot of work. I'm, I'm um, yeah. Good, good. She pats you on the head, um, lets you finish the biscuits while she sort of watches you in silence. Um, and once it's all done, she shows you around the area. There's this big common room. Uh, there is a small room that clearly used to be an office. There's still like a, a desk here, but it's long been opened and all the things taken from it. It's kind of, it teeters. It's not a great desk. Most people probably wouldn't want yeah. it, but she's moved it to the side and brought in this like big pile of hay stuffed into a sack that she's been using as a bed. She shows you that there's room for more. All we got to do is get you a sack and some hay and you've got a bed. And then she shows you the kitchen. There's still like a small functioning sto- uh, fireplace in there where she had the, the biscuits made. There's another fireplace in the main common room. And that's pretty much everything here. It's just these three rooms. There's a staircase that goes to the whatever is above on the next floor in the building, but that has been um, walled off. There's like uh, bricks going across yes. the ground. Yes. So it doesn't work anymore. She'll tell you that she's found this abandoned place, broke her way in, and has been living here for a couple of months. No one seems to be the wiser. She's got this plan. She's got a plan to make a whole bunch of money, but it's a two-person job. See, she needs someone to help her break in through those bricks on that staircase and get into the building above which has been renovated by this new noble family that's moved into Clydesdale, bought up some cheap property, and is sort of retrofitting it or um, refurbishing it, I think is the right word, in order to to make it like a nice livable home. This nice new noble family is none the wiser that the very bottom floor, which is condemned and leaky and no one wants, um, has been taken over by her for these purposes. She'll tell you the story about this, this family. They're this new blood noble family. They're horse breeders. They own some villages outside of Clydesdale and have raised the horses that have won the last three yearly tournaments in Clydesdale, the horse racing tournaments. 
and because of this, they've been promoted from just like horse breeding family to a noble family because they've been raising the very greatest horses around for three years in a row. And if you're going to call yourself Clydesdale, you would better have the best horses. And so newly appointed nobles. Hard to become a noble family in this day and age. He tells you that with their new nobility, they have found quite a bit of wealth. And she thinks it's stored here in their house in town. Her plan, very simple. Break the way through the those bricks that have walled off the staircase slowly, quietly, over enough time that no one notices and hears. It means she's gonna build like some sort of um, scaffolding so that like as brick as the mortar between bricks is removed, you can just like leave the brick there. So if someone glances at that part of the floor or whatever, wherever this happens to be, they won't notice the bricks like dropping out. And then yeah. once all the grouting is removed from between the bricks, you'll just remove the scaffolding, remove the floor, sneak on up, steal at whatever it is that you need, and then the two of you can flee. She's going to split it 30-70 with you, 70 for her, 30 for you, um, you know, because she came up with the plan and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, then the two of you will be free to go your own ways or work together on another job. You know that this crime what she is intending to commit, carries with it a death sentence. Not a great position to be in. And she gives you one more chance to opt out of the mission. Um, I think Archie has a decent concept of, like, um, money and, like, what he could do with it in a situation, right? But I think he does want to kind of inquire how much this 30% would entail for him. Not in terms of, like, numbers, but in terms of, like, consequences for him. Like, does this mean he'll permanently have a warm place to sleep? Or does this mean he can not just scavenge for, for scraps on the street for the next for the next time coming, right? Like, he, he wants to know that there is, like, some real positive consequences for him, like, tied to this, you know? So he's going to, like, inquire a little bit about it how much this 30% would be. You know, with the amount of money we can take from these guys, we could we could go off and buy our own houses somewhere. Maybe in Clydesdale, maybe over in Rockway. You, you could buy real property with what we're going to take. Or you could travel the world, moving from port to port, traveling from city to city. If you live cheaply enough, you, this could take you for years and years enough money here that you wouldn't have to know hunger ever again if you wanted Archie's eyes will widen and um, he'll remember the times that he was in the street and he was treated like very poorly by like noble people you know spat on kicked called names and everything right um, and he'll agree to do the job Or they were right here. 
idea where they are. talks to you about the plan and the very next day after you guys rest that night she will help you go through town she'll buy she'll steal a sack from one of these merchants using you as a distraction she has you like stumble over and knock over a table um, and then while the shopkeeper comes to like pick everything up and admonish you for knocking over the table she grabs a couple of bags from the rest of the things and hurriedly scurries away um, what do you say after, like, when you go to knock over the table of stuff and the shopkeeper comes over to admonish you and starts berating you and yelling at you for being, like, an idiot and not noticing what's going around, um, what do you say to the shopkeeper? Um, to, like, distract him? Yeah, or just as someone is coming and yelling at you for this, what, you know, they're, they're clearly distracted setting up the table again and restacking the clothing or the cloths and refolding them yelling at you the whole while like you stupid idiot Heck, you gotta look where you're going you knocked everything over look this is all dirty now I gotta clean it this is wet it's gotta dry who's gonna pay for this if it gets damaged what are you thinking kid uh, I'll just start inquiring about like listen I was just looking for a, I, I was just looking for a, a, a pair of pants I, I, I need you can't I, afford I need a pair of pants me. what are you doing look at you listen, street I'm, urchin I'm just, beggar I, I, Listen, I'm just look how look how ripped all my clothes are. I just I just need something to, to put on. I'm cold. Get out, out of here! I'll raining. call the guards on you. I'll have them throw you in the stockades. She waves a finger at you. Um. I'll. Um. I'll start stumbling out, and like knock over a little bit something again, and like be like, "Oh, I'm I'm so terribly sorry. I'm so sorry." As yeah. I um. As I, like, pick up another, like, pair of pants and kind of try to look at it. She'll snatch the pair of pants for you, from you and start shouting into the, the rest of the open-air market for the guards to come and, like, take you away. Or, you know, at least get you out of her shop area. And you can see a pair of soldiers walking on over. They've got um, breastplates made out of bronze. They carry spears, shin guards, um, pleated skirt. Not pleated skirt, like a leather skirt with uh, studs across it. Typical hoplite-type armor. Um, and they start pushing their way through the crowd towards you. You've got plenty of time to run away if you want or to confront them. Your call. Um, I will book it. Wise idea. Yeah. Book it. You'll meet back up with Amber. She'll grab some... Uh, she'll bring you to a barn where you guys can steal some hay and stuff one of these bags so that you'll have a, a proper bed. Bring you back to the abandoned inn abandoned tavern down below and work with you to help eke some more biscuits because it appears all she has is flour, water um, a little bit of butter and some yeast that she's managed to steal from a bakery all you really got are biscuits or I guess and cakes she prefers biscuits and she'll next morning or later that day work on chipping out that route between these stones. Yes. What? You've spent maybe a day with Amber now. She seems sort of 
kind-hearted. She clearly wants something out of you, but she's definitely going out of her way to be the person to steal things to provide for you a little bit. Um, and she keeps talking about how she could really use a, a good, strong lad for this job. Yeah. And as of yet, she's not really mentioned what she needs the strong lad for. Her plan is just, you know, open a hole in the ground and steal everything from inside but your role in all of this is still pretty undefined. Um, what do you... What does a young Archie feel about this? Well, um... I, I do see this, like, middle-aged woman, and I feel like... I Like, I do have some sort of idea about, like, how, okay... Well, number one, I'm not really sure what we're getting from there. Like, I'm not sure if she'll be able to carry everything that we need from there, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's, like, the first thought that I have. Um, the other thought is, like, I've been in fights um, mm -hmm. on the streets and everything, and, um, and then there's a reason that I'm as strong as I am. I'm obviously thinking that, hey, she probably, this woman probably doesn't want to get involved in a fight if it mm -hmm. comes this far. But as someone who you know on the streets all I kind of had was my my strength to fend for myself it's like a point of pride for me right mm -hmm. so the idea that someone would want me for that is kind of um it's kind of um validating in a way right mm -hmm. huh. where like I feel like okay maybe she doesn't want to be involved in a fight maybe she sees me as someone who could like protect her if we do get into a fight mm -hmm. um that, that's like not necessarily a bad feeling yeah it's nice to be wanted to be needed for the yeah. things that you're good at it's an amazing feeling yeah so you'll be with her as she has like help the two of you will construct this scaffolding and she will work very carefully with a small hammer and a small chisel to slowly break through the the grout and the cement holding these bricks together um and after a couple of days, you guys have pulled out enough bricks that if you gently lower the scaffolding down somehow, you'll be able to crawl on up through and enter the building above. Um, and the, the day, or I should say, yeah, you're going to go in at night, of course. You, you want to go in while everyone's asleep. So that day, during the day, she looks at you and goes, so... Archie, do you know how to do you know how to fight? I would like crack my knuckles a little bit, right? And um I'll look at her and just say I've been in more fights than you can imagine. Good, good. Do you know how to, how to use a weapon? Um so I think Archie's used, like, probably daggers that he's found in the streets before. He's never really called a weapon his own. It's just always, like, weapons get passed around, taken from you. Mm -hmm. um, and Archie's going to say, I, I know my way around a weapon, but the weapons I trust the most are these two right here. Yeah, you lift up your fist, and she looks at him and yes. goes, okay. Well, for part of what we're doing here is we're going to need some intimidation. And as strong as you are, a man with fists isn't nearly as scary as a man with a sword. And she will produce a wrapped up two-handed sword. But it is not the, you know, when you 
when you think of two-handed swords, like this brilliant gleaming blade that you could easily use to hack someone into bits. And what she produces is this like antique weapon that someone pulled out of a bog that's like half rusted with like chips out of it. And the, the cross guard is like missing one half of the side and the, the binding around the tang is sort of like falling apart. And even the wood around the tang is kind of like chipped off. It's the most questionable weapon you've ever seen in your life. Um, yep, and certainly. I've seen a lot of questionable weapons in my time. <laughs> yeah, certainly you could hurt someone with it. Um, yep. But really, it's for the intimidation factor. Um, and she hands this over to you carefully and says, uh, Now, when we're in there, if anyone shows up, I want you to yell and scream and wave this in their face and scare the ever-living lights out of them, all right? They... We don't want them to even try to put up a fight. I'm sure you could take them, but it's better if things don't come to violence. It's one thing to steal from nobles. It's another thing to attack them or kill them, you know? And nod. Good. Well, tonight's the night, Archie. I got your back. You got mine? I'll look her in the eyes and I'll nod. I got yours. She reaches out a hand to clasp yours. And then together, the two of you can lower the scaffolding and crawl through the hole in the floor into the building above you. It appears that Amber knows what she's doing. Somehow she already seems to know the layout of this house. Um, she immediately, well, the, the floor that you guys come up through has been returned, has been uh, renovated into a fireplace. So you're like pulling out the floor of the fireplace and all this soot and ash and charred wood yep. comes down. And then she lifts up the grate that the wood is supposed to sit on and lowers it down into here as well. Crawls up through the space, out through the uh, fireplace, covered in dirt, pulls you up through as well and begins to look through this house for valuables. And... She makes a beeline for a door, heads into a hallway, goes down the hallway past two doors, and in through another door on the opposite side, like she knows where everything is. Um, all the while yeah. whispering and waving you along with her. In this room, there's a box. She sets to the box, pulls out some picks and thieves tools that were folded into her shirt somewhere, and sets to work on the box. That's when you hear something from above floor above you there's like a, a stepping on the floorboards she looks to you motions in the hallway it's a staircase upstairs take that sword go wave it around in whoever's face that is really really scare them but don't make so much noise that anyone outside would hear okay uh, i'll give you a holler I'll, I'll chirp three times i'll go and that'll be the sign to let you know to come downstairs, hop through the fireplace, and we'll be out of here, okay? It'll just take me five more minutes to get through this box. Archie's um, heart is kind of racing at this point. Um, he's been in danger before, but um, obviously this kind of thing is um, still pretty, pretty nerve-wracking, but also he doesn't feel like he can do anything else at this point, and also he trusts this woman, so... He'll nod, he'll hold on to the sword tightly, and he'll go up the stairs. Yep, sure enough. Um, it is the the man of the house that's coming down. He's, I don't know, 36 years old, uh, carefully groomed, uh, what do you call it, like a goatee, you know, just covering the, the bottom of his chin. 
his hair, even though he's like clearly woken up from a nap, is like still greased over from the last day, and he's definitely run his hands through it to make it look sort of nice. Um, and he has in his hand a, a candle sitting in like a, a clear glass tube so that the wind doesn't um, blow it out. And he's coming down the hallway as you come up the stairs to see him. Um, the candle doesn't shed that much light, so you can see him maybe 10 feet away from you before he can even see you. What are you going to do? Um, I'm just going to say, don't move. Don't make a sound. I have a weapon. And stops in the hallway and says, uh. I'll, like, step closer to him, kind of make sure that he can hear my footsteps and maybe mm-hmm. make them sound a little bit heavier. Um, mm-hmm. And come, I'll repeat what I said before. Do you come within the radius of the candlelight? Um, I'll try. I think I'll try to stay a little bit out of it. Okay. Ben slowly and quietly says you've made a grave mistake son you should go now or you get in trouble Archie will start shaking a little bit but he's also kind of committed to this now so he'll repeat what he said don't move don't make a sound the man slowly begins to walk backwards, like carefully putting one foot and then shifting the weight, carefully putting the next foot and starts to retreat down the hall. I will repeat again. I said, do not move as I step closer to him, kind of following his steps. He tosses the candle in glass in your direction and at the same time runs the other way. Uh, I guess I'll make an attack roll for him to see if he hits you with the candle glass. He's not a trained fighter or anything, and he's not really seeing exactly where you are, so he gets some penalties to it. Uh, It doesn't, you know, he throws it, it hits the wall next to you, the glass breaks, shatters, the candle flickers and goes out, and the room is plunged almost into darkness. The only light now is the window at the far end of the hallway, uh, and you can see the silhouette of this noble man running for the window. As he approaches the window, he begins to shout, Guards! Guards! Help! Help! What are you going to do, Archie? Are you going to kill him? will flinch from the glass hitting the wall um and I'll make a snap decision and run for him and I'll attack him with my sword okay uh, you are not proficient in broken two handed swords so make me an attack roll it's going to be a d20 uh, minus two because you're not proficient um, and there would normally be a bonus of one from your strength Let's figure out how old you are at this point in time. Um, are you we said like young lad, right? I was I was thinking probably like mid late teens, like 15, 14. Okay. Um, something so you, along like in that range. Yeah, your strength probably isn't fully developed, um, but it's on its way. So you probably have like 16 strength right now, which would give you a plus one to damage, but not a plus one to hit. So go ahead and make me a d20 minus two because you're not proficient. And then another minus two because it's really dark in here, but there's like enough light that you can kind of see something. So D20 minus four at the silhouette of the man running from you. 
It's a terrible did roll. That right? Yeah, you did that Jesus absolutely Christ. right. Uh, you rolled like crap and you got huge penalties. Oh. So you bring your two-handed sword up and it like sticks into the ceiling above you in this small, narrow hallway. And as you bring it forward, like the blade snaps with half the blade in the ceiling and half the blade now in front of you, completely missing the attack. Uh, but the guy has gotten to the windows, thrown them open and shouting for the guards. Next round. You've got him um. cornered. You are between him and any other door. You are on the second floor, out the window, and then down to the ground is maybe a... Um, I guess with the half floor that's down below here, it's maybe a 25-foot drop. So he can't jump out the window without endangering his life. What are you going to do, Archie? There has not like been to... the cuckoo from downstairs. I would like to repeat one more time for him to shut up give me a charisma or, check how do i do that uh you're gonna click on the chr on your character sheet or you can roll a d20 plus 12 because that's your charisma stat uh, great yeah he sees the menace in your eyes he sees that you did try to kill him and just failed to do it and slinks down by the window it's real quiet. It says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't hurt me. And that's when you hear the door downstairs bust open um, and the sound of armored guards running through hallways. Sounds like there's no way out for me, huh? Yeah. You still haven't heard Amber call for you. And as you sit there, try, stand there, trying to figure out what to do, coming up the stairs behind you is a group of guards. Uh, and they are covered in bright light. Um, it's as if magical light is extending around them in a large aura. And it floods the hallway. And you can see that you are quickly outnumbered by trained guards in heavy armor with spears. Well, I, they probably have short swords if they're inside the house. Um, they left their spears outside. What do you want to do? Um, Archie is extremely intimidated by these men. He's never, like, dealt with this level of, um, I guess, security before. Mm -hmm. Um, he will freeze up and drop his weapon. All right. Man comes to his full height. His wife comes out of the bedroom eventually. Their kids come out of their respective rooms eventually. Other guards show up. Um, they walk through the house. It's clear how you guys got in. You tracked soot through everything. And it's clear that the chest that um, Amber was opening was expertly opened. And everything from within it has been removed. And it's hard to judge the timing of these things. But the guards definitely didn't see her when they were knocking down the doors. When they were coming into the house. And it becomes very clear to you personally that Amber probably had the, the box open by the time you got to the top of the stairs. Just took literally everything from the box, didn't call for you, left you as a person to uh, take the fall for her. And you get questioned by the guards in the moment. Who was with you? Who was your partner? What do you say to them? 
Um, I will stay quiet. Do you think Amber is coming back for you or that she tried to get to you and it didn't work out? Or do you feel like she actually abandoned you here? She did work with you for like five days to get ready for this task. Fed you for five days. At at this point, I definitely trust Amber more than I trust the authorities, which I've had no good experiences with. Well, you get hauled off to jail that night. Amber doesn't come for you. How could she? You're in jail. I mean, Grant, yeah, your window does see to the outside, but, like, she doesn't show up. And a few days pass, and she doesn't show up. And a few more days pass, and you're brought before a courtroom. People haven't really questioned you, aside from that, like, who was your partner? And they seem comfortable without asking any more questions. The guards bring you up. They say that you were part of a group of thieves stealing from a noble house. Um, They ask the judge for the maximum sentence, uh, which is, in this situation, disfigurement. They will take your left hand for this task. And the judge looks down at you. A young lad in the 16 years of age. He says, uh, boy, how old are you? 16, sir. I don't quite feel comfortable taking the hand of a 16-year-old man. Uh, it's possible that a criminal is all you are and all you will ever be. But it's also possible that a young man like you has been duped into a way of thievery. Instead, we will sentence you to indentured servitude. Now, your, you and your assistant, whoever they were, ended up stealing 5,000 gold from the family. And in your head, you you know that 5,000 gold is a lot of money. You know, 5,000 gold is as more money than most people of like the peasant or servant class will see in their lifetime. That is, you know, an absurd amount of money. And Much he sent like an apple cost in this in this world. Um, like two sil- two copper maybe, one copper, one copper. So okay. w- one gold could buy 100 apples. So 50 5000 gold buys 50,000 500,000 apples. It's a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, he sentences you to indentured servitude at regular laborer wages, which is a silver a day. Um, that's 30 gold a year until you've paid back all 5,000 gold, which is essentially a lifetime sentence. Um, of course, if you, you know, the family likes you, they can, they can opt to pay you more pay you more against your debts or if they're an evil corrupt family they can charge you for room and board and whatnot and your debt will only increase it is a a corrupt system and you are sentenced to essentially a lifetime of indentured servitude to the family from which you stole your stuff they don't ask you to speak in your defense they don't really call any witnesses other than the man who you intimidated and the guards who found you And before you get a chance to say anything, 
hammer comes down. Uh, the guards put shackles on you, hand the key to uh, the, the family from which you stole. Um, they are the the Roan family, R-O-A-N. And they lead you away in shackles back to the very same house that you stole from. And Mr. Roan, Lord Roan, will tell you your first job is to brick up that entire fireplace. Not just the floor, but the whole thing. Never again are we going to let someone in from the bottom. Um, And you'll hear through conversation that they abandoned the bottom floor because there's no way to stop the leakage and the water that comes in. And that it has this peculiar smell which they can't get rid of. And it's just like, you know, a shitty part of the house they just want to board off forever. Um, how do you feel about being an indentured servant forever? I mean, you'll get food, you'll get clothing, you'll get a warm, dry place to sleep, but you will lose all agency in your life. Um, I think Archie knows two things after this. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he knows that he will never be be betrayed again because he knows by this point that Amber betrayed him. Mm -hmm. And he knows that he probably should have pushed the men out of the window. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And every day that he works for him is just kind of reinforces that thought. How does Archie behave? Like, are you easily going along with this indentured servitude? You're physically stronger than the the man who owns your contract right now. You could just say no and beat the shit out of him and try and run away. Um, or you could take to it and just, you know, scrub floors and hang coats and wash dishes and take horses out for walks. What is it? um, How does Archie respond to this enslavement? I think Archie will accept his fate. Um, Will accept this task that he's been given. And I think deep down... um, he finds some sort of comfort in the fact that every day he can wake up and be given a thing to do instead of having to rummage the streets on his own. Give me a charisma check then for how well the family takes to you. Like, are you a, a likable fellow for them? Are you an annoying fellow for them? What do they think of you? Oh my god, fucking Archie. You 21 or higher is a success. So a 16, they're just like, this piece of shit, he he smells funny, he talks weird, Um, he's none too bright, we have to explain things to him a couple of times, it's clear that the Roan family is not exactly thrilled with this situation. But they hold on to you for a few years. And I think, as you said earlier, you get kind of comfortable in this spot. They're maybe a little bit mean or a little bit dismissive, a little bit, like, insulting your intelligence. Um, But they're not bad. They don't 
meet you. They don't abuse you. You eat well. You're dressed fairly nicely because you, like, work in their house. And so they have guests come over. And they can't have some dirty little peasant walking around their house, right? So they make you presentable. But you can feel that they are just really frustrated with you. Which is why, two years later, um, one day, you are introduced to a man. This man owns a ship. Well, owns a company that deals with the hiring and employing of various uh, crew members for ships. It's sort of like a, a talent agency or a recruitment agency. They go around looking for cheap labor that they can buy up and then resell that labor to ships. And they have come to the Roan family in order to buy your contract. And the Roan family is more than happy to trade away your labor for pure cash. Just, we're gonna sell this kid. He is now and forever going to work on a ship. He's gonna be a rower. And we're just gonna get, you know, half of his wages or two thirds of his wages that he would make rowing this boat um, as cash. So a deal is done and you are handed over to this man whose name you don't even learn before he hands you over to a ship captain somewhere. And you are just sort of like, all right, your job is a rower. This guy's gonna teach you how to row. You're gonna row until your contract is paid off. As a rower, though, you are going to make a lot more than you would as a laborer, so you're going to be paying off your contract a little bit quicker instead of having to work for, like, what was it? You owed 5000 and a laborer generally makes about uh, 30 So instead of having to work 166 years to pay off your debt, uh, you will only have to work... Where is... Ah, here we go. Oops. You will only have to work 55 years to pay off your uh, indentured servitude-ness. Wow. Quite the raise. Yeah, it was pretty good, you know? Pretty... Pretty good. And I think that's where we're going to end our first chapter here. Archie has been down on his luck. Someone promised him good things and took care of him for a little while before abandoning him to run away with a bunch of money. Sold into indentured servitude, which in this case is practically slavery. Sold again, away from everything you've ever known, everyone you've ever known, and onto a bunch of boats, ships. And when we come back from our break, we are going to meet up with you and Nick, and we're going to continue this sort of like backstory, and we're going to figure out how the two of you met and how the two of you um, came to be such good friends or such close compatriots. So we will see you guys on the other side of our break with a little bit more Tides of Death. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tides of Death. With us, we have Green Zerg and Pokemon Challenges together, and we're going to talk about how they first met. That's going to be years later. I think three years later for Jan and like oh, 10, 
15 years yeah. later for you? Something like that, yeah. At least 15 years later like for you. About 15, yeah. I'll probably be just hitting 30. Mm-hmm. And the two of you meet on a ship, a boat. Nick, your character, uh, John, is mm-hmm. the new recruit for this boat. Um, let's talk. I'm the new recruits. You okay. are the new recruit. You're coming aboard this this merchant vessel that sails all around. It goes out to mm-hmm. Solemn. It comes back to Arcadia. It does stuff around Arcadia. Then it goes out to Solemn. Then comes back. Yada yada yada. Um, and you are one of the new recruits here. Tell us why are you joining this ship? What happened to the last one that you were on? Or your? I think it was probably an argument with the captain. Now. This is a dirty word, so I don't throw it around easily. I wouldn't exactly say it was a a mutiny, but I think there was perhaps a disagreement over the path that we were taking, what we should be dealing with. You know, maybe some people wanted to do a certain job that involved a little bit of criminal activity. The captain didn't really take kindly to it. There was a bit of an argument, and before things got too heated, I think John had realized that, you know, he'd made enough money on that job He'd sort of worked his way in with all the crew. He knew the people. You know, he finds it interesting to meet new people and get to know them and kind of make them like him. Sort of sees it as a challenge whenever he meets someone new to sort of get them to like him, basically. Mm-hmm. So he kind of had his fill with this this crew. There was this argument about what they should be doing next. He just made a big haul. They were in a new town. So he just thought, you know what, fuck it. I'm leaving. Leave you guys to your fight before things get too bloody. I'm off. See you guys later. You know, maybe we'll run into you in another life. And um, I think as at this point, John's probably a pretty accomplished sailor and probably finds it pretty easy to find a new job. Yeah. You've got the skills. You can chat with whoever the captain of this vessel is. Uh, They'll hire you, bring you on board. You meet the quartermaster. You meet the cook. You meet the kitchen boy, some 12-year-old little scrapper who thinks he's you know, on top of the world because he's working on a boat. Um, sure. I think I give this kid like a silver coin or something like that, you know? Yeah, in memory of back when you were in such a position. <laughs> when I started out, yeah. Yeah, and then you'll get introduced to the crew. Uh, Archie, you have worked your way up from rower to sailor. Um, I don't know if that's actually a vertical, that might be a horizontal shift. Rowers need to be strong and have good timing. But to be a sailor, you need a lot more skills. You need to be fast. You need to be dexterous. You also need to be able to be strong as well. Um, and they find that your particular set of skills are work a little bit more, uh, fill that um, sailing potential a little bit better than the rowing potential. So you've moved on to sailing, but your contract is still, well, still what it is. And the two of you guys will meet for the very first time when Nick gets brought aboard the boat, but like you still haven't left port yet. And so that first night, tables get brought up onto the main deck, food gets served, and the two of you happen to just be seated next to each other at this uh, dinner table. So, uh, All right. Nick, take away. Yeah. So. You know, I'm sitting down at the table. I see the food come out and I'm pretty quickly, you know, after spending a lot of time in the kitchen myself, I'm getting the measure of how good the food's got to be on this ship here. And I'm waiting for the food to come and I sort of elbow Archie next to me and say, 
So is the cook much good on this ship? What kind of things do you guys eat? Um, Archie, not the most talkative person at this point. Just kind of looks over to him. Looks looks like kind of up and down. Just shrugs, says like, it's alright. Alright, okay. Alright, well, I guess uh, I'll be the judge of that. What do you say? What do you say your name was, friend? It's my first day. I uh, extend the hand to you. I'll look at your hand. I'll look you in the eyes. I'll just say very sternly, Archie B. Alder, sir. No need for the sir. No need for the sir. I think we're all uh, the same rank here, unfortunately. Uh, me? My name's uh, John. Nice to meet you, Archie. Um, oh, no. How long have you been on the boat? Three years now, I think. Three years. I'll kind of look away and look towards the kitchen to see if the food's already coming out. I turn to the guy to the other side. Elbow here, it's like, it's like getting blood out of the stone with this one. Turn back around. Say so three years, and you seen much of the world, you know, you've been anywhere nice. Done some good things. How's the captain? Oh, he's been on this boat. Captain's good, treats us well. That's what I like to hear. I, do you know what? I got the feeling when I first met him, he seemed like a good guy. You know, this kind of guy that you can have a bit of a laugh and a joke with, you know, doesn't take himself too seriously. That's the kind of guy I like to work with, you know? I say, giving him a, a knowing look, since uh, that's not exactly the vibe I'm getting from Archie so far. He seems very stern. Mm-hmm. Archie kind of, you know, he's, he's been on this boat for a while. He's seen people come and go, and he's seen, like, people talk a lot. He's not really big into people who like try to try to like talk him into things he, he just he's just here he wants to do his job he wants to work off his desk so he just looks at him and he nods and he says yep well, he's kind of just kind of pegging him as this kind of person who's um who is uh, all talks but nothing behind it you know a bit of a talker so i think john's kind of feeling it you know, this is my first night on the ship. I've got a lot of people to meet. I'm not going to force this guy to talk to me if I don't have to. So I'll probably turn my attention to maybe the guy opposite me on the table or the guy next to me. And I'll probably, you know, like I said, I like to go out my way to get people on board, make people like me. So I've marked Archie. We'll come back to you. But I spend the rest of the night making small talk with maybe the other people around me. Keeping an eye on Archie here and there. You know, maybe I'll throw the odd comment towards him. But seems like I'm not getting too much out of him. Well, give me a charisma check, Mr. Winter. Uh, Winter, yeah. I'm sorry. Or how will you integrate yourself with the crew this night? 24. Yeah, that's quite nice. Uh, you, you're a personable fellow. Everyone else on the ship, they like to meet new people as well. And here's this new guy. He's coming on. He's in his 30s. He's a man about the world. He knows his shit. It's no more none of this like rookie business where you got to like train a new crew member. This is a proper sailor on their boat and they're pleased to have you and you like to talk and they like to hear stories you guys are going to spend long months together with just the the 15 of you or 20 of you whatever it is like in close quarters maybe that's a relatable thing right now in this day and age to be in close quarters with the same group of people for a fucking year at a time so it's important to get along (laughs) as we as we now know um Yeah, everyone seems to be pretty happy and jovial. Captain comes by, puts a hand on your shoulder, asks, like, how are you getting along? I see you've, uh, you're have you sitting between Archie and, and Carl. These are good folks ah. over here. Carl? Indeed, Captain. 
Carl's been with us for 15 years, haven't you, Carl? Carl gives a bit of a nod and a head bob. And he uh, pats Archie on the shoulder. And Archie's, uh, like you, is kind of new, three years in. Got another, what is it, 40 years left before you pay off your debts? <laughs> oh, good luck, Archie. John, count your blessings that you didn't end up like him in life. And uh, keeps going down the, the ship to you know meet the other people. And a few people have been hired in this situation. Starts to introduce them to their neighbors and chat about them. So I, I lean into the to call. I say, did he just say forty years to pay off the debt? What did he do? Whispering so as Archie isn't over here. Actually, fifty-two years. Says fifty-two years. What? What? What did he do? Did he steal the captain's wife or something? The guy shrugs and is like. Hmm? You've tried to talk to him. He's a tight-lipped fella. I don't really know exactly yeah. what's going on, but some sort of judgment in Clydesdale? It's like he spends his whole days hauling barrels. Look at the size of his arms. I know, right? He's a nice guy, though. He doesn't have. really, uh... Keeps his shit together. Doesn't really say much else. You know, talking's one thing, but I like a sailor who can do his job properly. The guy bobs his head up and down. Certainly. So how about this stew, Carl? What do you think? Is this good, bad? Is this standard? I say, like, lifting up and, like, spooning it back into my bowl. It's, like, watery. He, like, sits up and loudly says, I think the new kitchen boy didn't put enough salt in it. Where is that little bastard? I'm going to give him a knocking around the ears. And you can see oh. the kitchen boy, like, dart it to the staircase <laughs> in, like, terrored panic. And Carl gives a chuckle, knowing full well that the stew is fine. But just like trying to instill a little fear in the child. Sure, yeah, a little bit of fear is good. I, uh, you know, I eat my stew. Maybe take a hunk of that, like, weird hard tack bread Ugh. that people on ships used to have and dip it in my stew so it isn't like hard as a rock. Yeah. Eat a little bit more. Say, so, um, no wonder you're so grumpy all the time, Archie. You're here for another 40 years? What did you do? Did you sleep with the captain's wife or something? I say, hoping that nobody had me repeat the same joke. <laughs> Archie's gonna put his put his stew down and look at uh, look at John. He's gonna say, "I got fucked over, John. That's what fucked happened." Over. And then he's gonna continue eating. I raise my eyebrows at the guy opposite me as he as Archie goes back to eating. The guy just shakes his head and puts his face in his stew. Well, you know, talking about getting fucked over, I say to the table, now you guys, you look like you like a story, right? Let me tell you a story, okay? So on my previous boat, we've been sailing around, okay? We end up in this town called Shirebrook. Weird town, full of wizards. Odd folk. We're there, we, you know, we're just picking up some stuff, some components, some books from Redport and bringing them to this wizard down in Shirebrook, okay? Now, while I'm there, luckily I get picked. I'm delivering the stuff up to this guy's tower. So I've got, you know, I've got a, a bag of, like, a box of books that I'm fucking carrying. I'm sweating, you know, I'm dragging them. I'm dragging them. I'm catching my breath and looking around back at the ship. No one's helping me dragging it back and finally we get up to this guy's tower and I open the crate for him this guy's grumpy as all hell I, you've never seen I mean it's worse than I give a nod towards Archie on my left here and um 
well, you know, grumpy, real grumpy. And this guy's, you know, he's he's cussing me out. Oh, I'm so slow. I'm damaging the books. Blah 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 blah. Right. So, as his back's turned, what do I do? Well, I look over on one of his desks, and I see this shining blue potion. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. Do you know what, Carl? Do you know what I did? I fucking swiped it. Right. I grabbed that thing. I shoved it in my pocket, and I said to the wizard, "All right, mate. Well, you clearly don't want to talk to me, so I'm gone." I ran out of there as fast as I could. Okay, so later that night, you know, we're in one of the villages around town. Some sort of mine. Place is overrun with dwarfs. You've never seen anything like it. Anyway, I've had a few drinks and one of the lads, you know, he's hanging me on to drink the potion. Now, I usually wouldn't do something so stupid, but you know, with a bit of peer pressure, people are hanging you on to do it. You're gonna do it, aren't you? So I, so I drink the potion and I swear to God, it was like nothing I've ever seen. Immediately, boom, the haze, it goes away. I'm sober as a judge. That's, it is unbelievable. And honestly, it kind of ruined the night. But then I had an idea. You see, I go over to this table of dwarves. There's like 10 of them sitting over there. They're all slapping each other on the back. You know, they're, they're having a laugh. And I says to him, hey, you dwarves. Look like you're good at drinking down there. Let me tell you, I'm the greatest drinker in Eridon. I could drink you all under the table. No doubt, no problem. No, they, they didn't believe it. They, uh, they all put in 10 gold each, at least at least some of them, I think, put 20 or 30. Well, this wizard's magic potion, that was the easiest 200 gold I ever made in my life. I sat there, I drank wine, I drank beer, I drank anything the bartender had. Didn't even get a little bit drunk. I mean, I, I played it off like I did, you know. Next thing, you know, a few hours later, the dwarves are throwing up their all on the floor. I scoop up my gold, walk back to my crew. It's the happiest night of my life. I could use one of those, says a guy like four places down at the table as he like brings up his ale and is sort of like rocking back and forth. Clearly too tipsy to even like raise a sail at this point. Sure. Hmm. Yeah. Um, give me a charisma check for how it lands because it sounds to me like that's a fucking great story. Does anyone it's believe of... this tall tale of you stealing potions and drinking dwarves oh, under the table? Shit. <laughs> no, it's too unbelievable, isn't it? Someone else has heard this exact same story and pipes up. <laughs> I think I heard the bard back over in Anvil tell this same story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? The bar yeah, I, what, I can't remember what his name was. Uh, Darby? <laughs> Looks like I'm more Dargy? famous than I thought. I don't believe it. Someone says. And some other people kind of like jostle and joke in and... You can see the eyes rolling. Apparently, this is like a famous story that's something that the whole ship heard like six years ago. Um, and they take it jovially, but they clearly like, okay, all right, John's the sort of guy who's going to like embellish or steal stories for himself or something. Sure. And that's the, the yeah. first impression you get to make aboard this boat. Alas. Um, well, you know, every ship needs a joker. Right, yeah. Um, Pokemon challenges. Jan, why don't you also give me a charisma check for how people on this ship... Um, you you so far 26 yeah you might not be the tall tale teller but you do your job you're reliable get shit done and maybe you don't have a lot of close friends because you're not particularly outgoing or talkative but there's sort of a consensus that archie gets his shit done Archie does his job, and then he stays the fuck out of the way. If every sailor in the world was like Archie, we wouldn't have any problems. The world would just, well, you know, everything would work functionally. We could use more people yeah. like him on board. Um, so you've got a good reputation. John's got the, like, I would 
Fucking John, you can't believe what he told me last night. He told me he slept with my sister. Can't believe that shit. How did you know her name was Rebecca? Did he really? No, no, it's not possible. Should write my sister. No, that's the sort of dynamic that seems to be developing aboard the boat. Um, yeah. And you guys set sail, and you travel together for a little while. You head out to Solemn one time as a whole crew. The voyage takes a couple of months. You head back to Arcadia. You do a loop around. By now, you guys have known each other for about a year or so. Um, in that maybe, year, um... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Neil. I was going to say, you know, maybe me and Yan are on duty together, like, for a week. I don't know, maybe we got in some trouble and we're swabbing the decks or something like that. And I think, you know, in the, uh, the laboriousness of the task over a long period, maybe I can uh, think to myself, you know, if I can't get this guy to open up now, I'm never going to be able to do it. So maybe it's like, you know, I don't know, early one morning, the sun mm -hmm. just about rising off the horizon. And we're like mopping the, the deck of the ship. And I... I, I'm knackered, right? My arms are tired. I'm, like, taking a break. I'm leaning on one of the sides of the ship. I look over it. Uh, and um, Archie and his, like, whole half of the ship is, like, spotless by now. This guy's muscles are just fucking gleaming in the morning. Sunrise as he's... he's giving, just going, I just think, God damn it. This guy. He's so strong. So I, um... I need a break, right? So I, I pull my mop down. I, like, wander over to the, the edge of, like, the unclean part of the deck, right? <laughs> Where it's still waiting for me to mop it. Just, I don't want to step on his, like, really, really clean uh, section. Say, wow, Archie, you almost done over there? I look over to him, and I say, you still need me to help me out? You still need me to help you out, uh, John? I mean, Or uh... you're going to be getting on it. Oh, I, I can do it myself, Archie. You don't have to go out of your way. You, you are mighty fine at the task, though. Look at this. I've never seen the deck looking so clean. I'll head over to John and, like, put my, like, massive hand on his shoulder. And I'll look him in the eye with, like, the blue eyes. And I'll be like, listen, John. Been on this ship together for a bit now. If your hands worked half as fast as your tongue, maybe you could get a little bit more shit done around here, huh? Listen, I mean, you might be right, but uh, we all have our talents. Yours is clearly for uh, mopping decks. Or beating folk, I'm not sure. I'm not seeing you in a fight yet. I'm quite you could handle yourself, though. But, um... I'll look back at him. Not offended. Just that same stern look, but I'll just say... You seem like a guy who likes to float through life, you know? I feel like I've been in more fights than you could possibly imagine. I'll just I'm turn sure away you have. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I trudge back over to my mop and, like, pick it back up and resign back to mopping the deck. And, um, you know, maybe, um, I don't know what Archie does when he's finished with his half of the task. If he just takes the time to maybe watch the sea or if you go to head back down deck, yeah. but... When you, I like when you to like, like lean over a little bit and just look out into the sea, waiting like new command. Okay, so I like after a while, you know, it's maybe been half an hour since that exchange. I'll I'll mop back over to that direction. I say, you know what, Archie, you're wasted on this place. You know, it's been how long has it been now since I joined? A few months, a year, maybe. 
you can really, you know, got better things to do with your life than be stuck here for the next, what, 40 years? Surely there's some way for you out of this. I've only known this life, John. It gives me something to do. Back before I did this, back before I served people, I was out. I, I, I had no, I had no purpose. I had nothing. Um, what did you do? Did you the just... Captain... Life was a little bit rough on me, but at least here on the sea, I can feel the waves. I have something to do every day, and I can be good at it. That's what I care about. I know you may care about the drinks and the women that you talk about and the adventures. Yes, true. But I'll be stuck here. I made a mistake, and I have to put up with it. We all make mistakes, Archie. You shouldn't be condemned to this for the rest of your life for one mistake. How bad could it have been? Who, who's the arbiter of all this that says that you have to work for this ship for the rest of your life? I'm indebted to a rich family in Clydesdale. They'll own me That's for the rest it. of my life. That's what I have to do. I wronged them, and now I serve them. That's how things go. It's around this point, as Archie's telling you the story, that Captain, not yet Captain, that John sees in the horizon smoke rising. You guys are headed to Shirebrook after having come back from Solemn, dropped off some supplies on Redport, picked up some new things. You're headed to Shirebrook, then you're headed to Whiteshore. You're making the rounds along the coast to sell your goods. Mm -hmm. And you've uh, arrived at Shirebrook, or you're arriving at it. But the amount of smoke rising from the town is way too much. You're, you're used to seeing chimney smoke, right? All cities have a certain amount of smoke rising from them. Everyone's got fire going in order to uh, build their, work their kitchens, to cook their food, to craft their weapons. There's endless needs for fire, and it's all powered by wood and coal, essentially. So it produces a lot of smoke. You're used to seeing smoke from towns. But as the sun is rising in this morning, and as you guys are approaching Shirebrook, the plumage of smoke resembles something closer to a forest fire. There is no way that a town can produce this amount of soot in the air and things be going well. So, so I, uh, yeah, as Archie's sort of talking to me, like, I kind of, like, look away from him and just catch a glimpse of all the, the smoke. Sort of not really listening anymore to what he was saying. And I sort of turn back to him and say, Archie, is that where we're meant to be going? I say, pointing off at the in the distance to, to Shirebrook. It doesn't look right to me. I've been there before. It didn't look like that last time. Archie, the dutiful sailor that he is, knows exactly what to do in a situation like that. Um, he realizes that nobody else on the ship seems to have taken notice. Um, the person in the crow's nest has probably fallen asleep again, as he usually does. Mm. So Archie will immediately drop his mop, he'll immediately drop his conversation with John and head over to the captain to inform him. Yeah. I, I think I just hold, hold my mop sort of like not really, just like mopping the same spot a mm -hmm. hundred times over and over as I like stare at the smoke rising from Shirebrook. The ship trims its sails to lower its speed. 
and floats closer to Shirebrook. The whole crew gathers round to see what the hell is going on. And as the town comes into view, you can see it is the blackened, charred, ruined remains of the town you guys have visited countless times. This place is not just sacked, not just sieged. This place is ruined entirely. This does not bode well. And your captain very quickly makes a decision about what to do. He decides to turn back and head back to Redport. He tells you all that who, if Shirebrook is in this situation, something's going on. Something weird has happened, something unusual. We might be able to go to Whiteshore, but Whiteshore might be the same way. And if this was done by pirates, maybe they came to Shirebrook and they're headed towards Whiteshore and we don't want to run into them. If it's done by armies, then we need to report back to Redport before the armies get there, if that's where they're headed. If this is done by some sort of mad mage, then maybe there's still magical effects happening and we don't want to get any closer. We're turning around and we're heading home. And so the ship drops anchor, no, doesn't drop anchor, uh, throws the wheel around, puts the sails back out in full and heads back to Redport. The few day voyage there is one of tension and quiet. No one's certain what we're going to find when we get to Redport. Yeah. The captain very intentionally takes the long way, sailing first close to Rockwave and then all the way around to Redport, just to make sure that civilization here is still intact. You get to Rockwave, you see that, sure enough, the town is fine. Um, everything seems totally normal. So you sail on past the Patchwood and the Grazing Meadows and the Ivywood and make your way back to Redport, um, which is still fine and intact and no one seems any the wiser. As the crew disembarks, word travels quickly. It appears you are the first ship to arrive in Redport with news of this, and no one has arrived by land yet, so you are the bringers of information. Um, everyone is allowed to disembark. Uh, you all get shore time, as long as you all come back to the boat at the end of the day. So what is it that the two of you do um, when you get your shore leave here in Redport? after seeing Shirebrook in ruins and tatters. Well, I guess Archie's probably been... I mean, everyone's been a bit quieter, I think. Perhaps he's been a little bit quieter than usual these last few days. And, you know, the last thing that he kind of said to me was this sort of opening up slightly a little bit about what happened to him beforehand. So I think before I get short leave, I'm going to go down to the the quarters or whatever where, where, where he would be. And I'll come and, you know, come up to his bunk and say, uh, hey Archie, me and a couple of the lads will you know, get some drinks, I'm sure, if you want to come. Maybe we can, uh, I'm sure all the locals want to hear our stories, you know. Maybe we can uh, get some free drinks or something. I realize that times like these, there's usually not a lot of work to be done on the boat. Um, and even though I don't really like being on land as a crust of water, um, I also don't really like leaving, I, I don't really like staying behind alone. I like being with the group, you know, raising morale and everything, so... I'll just nod and tag along. As we're walking off the the boat, I'm gonna put a hand around Archie and say, you know what, Archie, this is where it all began for me. This very dock here. I was sat just on that roof over there when uh, this beautiful ship, you never seen anything like it, pulled up. Captain came out in his fancy coat. The crew was all well-armed and gleaming. The ship was beautiful, the sails grand. I fell in love with it there and there. I still remember it now. You know, if I close my eyes, 
I can smell it. I can smell it. Alright, it's the same place, so it's, maybe it's just I'm smelling the same thing, but... This is an important deal for me. Yeah. Whereabouts, uh... Didn't you say... I love my voice a little bit. As you move through the crowd, Archie, you spot the Roan family here in Redport. There's a whole herd of horses that they are trying to... Well, not... Their servants are trying to corral onto a ship. And there is old Lord Roan, years later, being making money off of your hard labor, um, moving some horses onto cargo glances over, doesn't even seem to recognize you as you hop off this boat with all these people. Um, continues going about his work, even though his eyes clearly passed across with just no recognition whatsoever. Um, what do you think first, and then do second when you see Lord Roan, the, your theoretical owner, um, here? Um... I think I'll freeze up a little bit. I'll, like, stop in my step as the, like, group kind of moves along. And John is still kind of close to me, so he kind of knows this. And my eyes will widen in a way that, like, this is, like, really unusual for Archie. Um, you know, Archie will just kind of tilt his head a little bit and try to make eye contact with the Rowan family. And, like, all these memories of not only the story with Amber, but also the times that he was mistreated by nobles when he was out on the streets and um, all, all that thought of all the work that he's been doing and the comfort that they've been enjoying um, kind of come rushing towards me and I just kind of freeze up and I just try to I just try to catch just try to catch his his eye you know I just want to make eye contact with this person to see how he would react uh, give me a charisma check to see if you can draw, if, like, your eye contact is strong enough for him to recognize it and, like, look at you closely, or if you're just some weirdo in the crowd. Uh, yeah, you stare at him, you try to get him to meet your gaze, and at one moment, like, his eyes flick over you for the briefest of moments, but you can see there's no recognition at all. It's blank and void and quickly moves on to the rest of the crew that's around him. You get this, this this sensation, or this notion, that he's, like, making sure the filthy sailors are staying far enough away from him that they're not going to steal his stuff. He's, like, checking for the social distance between him and these, like, lower-class seamen. So I think I I notice Archie stop, right? Like, he's almost, like, mouth agape, like, staring at this guy, and I'll stop and look over at these Roman nobles and say... You know this guy, Archie? Hey, yo, what's up with you? You know him? Rowan. Who? I washed his undergarments for years, and he doesn't even recognize me. Washed his... Wait, this is... I look back to the group. They're probably... Maybe the rest of them haven't noticed, so I lower my voice a little bit. Wait, is this the guy? I'll take a step towards him, and uh, I'll nod, but I would, like, I'll still be looking in the direction of him. This is the guy. We gotta do something, Archie. He's in town. This is fate. How often do we get surely for a whole day? With everything that's going on in Shirebrook? I'm telling you, mate, we gotta do something about this. 
This is where it all started for me. What, I was just saying. I was just. You remember me? I was just saying. I was saying it to, to Carl. You remember? It was just a minute ago. This is. I can't believe it. It's the gods, Archie. It's the gods. I look up to the sky. I'll just turn to John and I'll say, I don't believe in no gods, but right now I really believe that his face should hit the pavement. Look, look at it. Not here. Not here. Here, let's, uh, you go and, you go and get a drink. Your good buddy John, I'll keep an eye on him. I can, I can be quiet. Look at you, he, he might recognize you. Stomping around like that. I can stay hidden. He's going, I'll meet you in the, I'll meet you in the rusty bucket. And I will uh, slink into the into the crowd. I'll slowly move along with the rest of the crowd, but I'll still be eyeing um, the nobleman the entire time. Mm -hmm. The crowd of the sailors slowly moves in the direction of the rusty bucket, uh, and everyone else around you is like happy to tell any passers-by like don't go to Shirebrook there's something wrong there and starting to spread like crazy rumors someone's like a dragon destroyed Shirebrook and someone else is like a crazed wizard he cast web in the streets of Shirebrook and then they all set on fire and the whole town burned it was terrible you know random bullshit stories half the sailors are like intentionally spreading false stories just to get a chuckle out of the crowd because like now they'll always be confused about the truth is and it's hilarious to the sailors um, other ones are just moving along to get to the rusty bucket. Do you go all the way in, um, or do you, like, wait outside? Oh, shit, is this at me? That was at you, yes. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, I totally zoned out for that. I'm so it's sorry. It's going to happen a whole bunch. Please. Don't even worry about it. So yeah. on the way to the rusty bucket... <laughs> All the sailors, yeah. like, spreading false rumors about how Shirebrook burned. Some people are saying dragons did it. Some people are saying wizards yes. did it. Um, yes. And they quickly move into the buck rusty bucket to have, like, a drink. Do you go all the way in with them, or are you hanging out outside? I think I'll be hanging around. I'll, I'll get a drink, but I'll, like, hang around at the sidelines. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool, yeah. You can get a drink inside and, like, hang out at the window or at the door looking out. Uh, John, what do you do? I want to find out where this guy's staying and what he's doing. I want to follow him. Yeah. After all the horses are loaded in, Lord Roan shakes hands with the person, uh, probably the ship captain or uh, a quartermaster or some sort of merchant in charge of the ship, uh, and then heads off not to the rusty bucket, but to the nice tavern, like three or four doors down. That's, um, you know, the, the golden pillow. Mm, the golden pillar. Um, mm -hmm. Does this place have rooms as well? I mean, I've been in Redport. I would know. Does he look like no, he could no, be staying golden, here or would he be staying somewhere else? It's just a tavern. Um, if they're staying in town, if they don't live in town, they're probably staying at one of the inns like further inland, not like right here on the docks. Uh, this is just a place for like wealthy noblemen to like come and hang out, maybe exchange some drinks and some words, maybe a few games of dice or chance or cards or whatever. Um, more of a socializing place yeah yeah okay um so if we're gonna do something we probably need to do it while he's here before he leaves town and goes somewhere else like we've only got a day shortly if you said right mm -hmm. i you know I, I sort of try and get a look through the windows you say like what he's playing cards in there or something he's playing dice 
uh, yeah, you can watch him walk into the place. If you come by a window, you can see uh, Lord Roan sits down at a table. His wife has come and sat next to him. Across is another couple, and the, the two gentlemen are having a drink, and then you can see one of them set like a deck of cards down at the table, and the other one goes, ah, and uh, cards are dealt out as a tuxedoed butler or waiter comes over and brings them beverages and some delicious pork samosas. Okay, I want to look at the deck of cards he's using. Does it look custom made? Does it look like maybe they're from town it, here? It looks like a cheap deck of cards that someone probably picked up in town. Yeah, okay, so see, I want to remember the back of the cards. I want to remember what they look like. And I want to head to the market, the marketplace and see if I can't try and buy the same deck of cards. There is a printer in town who uses uh, woodblock to print the same deck of cards over and over and over again. As long as you've got the ink and the card, you just, you've got this woodblock that's got um, a, a back of the card design on it, and then you've got 52 woodblocks that like will have the front of the card. And so they'll just like press copies of the front of the cards, and then they'll press copies of the back of the cards on all these things, and then just sell cards. It's one of the, it's the services one person offers. So you can buy the practically the same deck as everyone else. You know, the exact positioning and cutting of the cards is going to make each deck ever so slightly different, but you'd have to really know your deck of cards to be able to tell the difference between one and the other. Sure, yeah, so <clears throat> I'll buy a deck of cards. I don't know how much money I've got, but I assume I can You've got enough for a lot. deck of cards, yeah. Problem is, I, I grab my deck of cards, I pocket them, and I look up and down at myself. You know, I look dirty, right? I don't look like... Yeah, there's no way you're going like to get can... into that building. Yeah. Um, do they have, like, like a wash area at the Rusty Bucket? Or would I, if I want to get cleaned up, would I have to There's a fountain get a room? somewhere that you can go and wash yourself off in, like many other sailors do. But it's do basically... I feel like if I were to wash off, I'd be able to get in, or if I would still be too... No, you would need the yeah, right clothes, some... and the moment you open your mouth, they would hear your, like, low-lying sailor accent not the, like, fancy noble. Well, I could maybe put on an accent, then. Hey, hello there. My name is John Winters. This might even be the first time I come up with my surname. Um, alright. I grab my cards. I'm gonna run back to the Rusty Bucket where the rest of the group and Archie are. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I hurriedly come in and I, I sort of, like, wave a hand at the bartender to bring me a drink. And I sort of, like, pull up a chair, spin it round, see I'm sitting on the chair backwards like a really cool guy. And I whisper in Archie, I say, I followed him, Archie. He's in the golden pillow. Guy's playing cards. You're sitting there working away your entire life and he's gambling away the money you're making him. Um, Archie will kind of rub his knuckles a little bit. There's still a lot of anger. There's still a lot of, like, resentment. He's cooled down a little bit, but... At this point, he's kind of buying into what John's saying, and um, he's, he feels that, like, injustice, especially because of the, like, disparity of, like, rich and the working. Definitely, and, um, yeah. and he just turns to John and says, What were you thinking? Because I was thinking I could go over there and, you know, bash his skull in. I don't get me wrong, I'm sure this motherfucker deserves it, but, uh... You go there, you beat him up. You probably just end up serving another 40 years, John. Uh, Archie, that's not... That's not the way. There's gotta be something else we can do. It's just a piece of paper, you know. 
just says that he owns your he owns your work. Maybe we could get it off him. Archie remembers the last time that um someone tried to clue him in on a job like this. In fact, on the exact same target that John is now <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> trying to have him fuck over. Um but he's worked with John a while now. Um and honestly, at this point the 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 anger towards um the anger towards this 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 nobleman just gets him to a point where even if he gets caught again, even if something happens again, at least he'll not repeat the same mistake he made last time. And this time we'll actually throw him out the window. Yeah. So, some favors. Yeah. Archie will just nod. And um I guess he'll see if he'll get fucked over again or not. He doesn't Sid I guess he doesn't really care at this point. Archie, finish your drink. Let's let's go and talk. And I will like like the bartender brings me my drink and I'll like swig it and like hand it to Carl or whatever one of the other sailors and I put around hand arm around Archie and like get him up from his chair and um maybe go to a quieter part of the inn or maybe we just go and like stand outside in the courtyard or something like that. Archie will finish his like half full drink in an incredibly quick manner and just drop the drop the jug and follow along with John. Alright. So you got an idea. They're playing cards and they're like gambling. I pull out the deck of cards from my pocket. These are the same cards. Now I'm quick with my hands. I think I could I could cheat him, right? If I the problem is though, well there's two problems. Number one, they won't let us in there. Look at the state of us. We don't look anywhere near fancy enough for the golden pillow. Uh, secondly, how do we, how do we get him to, to bet your, your servitude? It's, it's kind of weird to bring up unless we both go in there and demand to bet for it. But I feel like if he saw your face, he would, you would know something's up there. Archie will think a little bit. He's a little bit slow, but he will suggest that, um, you know, I know that he used to go to this place, and he's there with a lot of friends, and those friends, what those what those people think of him, that means that means a lot to this guy. Mm. And I have a lot of pretty interesting stories from his home, you know, that I think he'd be very embarrassed to hear his friends here, so maybe we can convince him to engage in a bet that way. Interesting. What, you think we... Maybe, what? Bust in there, or wait for them all to leave? Challenge them to a bet? Archie will think a little bit longer. Um, still resisting the urge to just go in there, lift this guy up and throw him out the window. Um, and... He'll say, I have nothing to lose, John. Uh, you're the one who seems to have the fast tongue, though. Yeah. This is it's a dangerous place, though, you know? Surrounded by guards here. It could go wrong easily. We, we blow our load. It doesn't work out. He doesn't take the bait. 
We'll never see this guy again. I look, I look over to the dock at the ship. I say, you know, um, I was thinking of moving on. Not now, maybe in a year or something, but with what we saw today and all of this, maybe I, we could just leave, you know? If this works out, you wouldn't need to go back to the ship, right? You'd be a free man. What if, uh, what if we hung around in town for a few days? We followed this guy home. If we catch him on the road, mm, you could make him beg to let you free. Mm, maybe you're more your way of doing things. RJ likes this. He'll nod. He'll smile a little bit. If I don't work on the ship anymore, I'll have nothing. I like nah. being out on the waves, you know? It feels nice. It's calming out there. It's like nobody can sneak up on you. And I don't know. I like the movement. I get it. So, I get it, Archie. I like the sea, too. But, uh... There's a whole world of ships out there, you know? You don't have to resign yourself to this one for the rest of your life, you know? If we uh, do go through with this plan, then, you know, we get a few coins along for it. I'm sure that this guy doesn't walk with an empty purse. You know, we get a few coins. We live life large for a little while. We can find another boat to work on. But this time as a free man. Better than working for um, the captain up there. You know, he's a nice enough guy, but... He's used to treating you like a servant. You think that's going to change just because we rip up some piece of paper? I'll just look at John and I'll say, I'll go along with this, but you never leave my eyesight. If you do, I'll crush your skull. And he gets what he deserves. I don't care about anything else. You think I'm stupid, Archie? You think I want to get in a fight with you? No way. So tonight, you know, I ain't got much respect for most folk out here. But, you know, you're a decent guy. It took me a while to get through to you, but... Now that we're speaking, you know, I'm really feeling something here, Archie. I think we're going to be good friends. This is going to be good. I want to help you. This isn't... This isn't for me. I want to help you. You deserve better than this. You're the best sailor I ever worked with, let me tell you. And I've worked with a lot. Keep your flattering for when we're inside. I just want to work on a boat again and not be indebted to this piece of shit anymore. Yeah, well, if he's got enough coin on it, we can buy our own boat, eh? I slap you on the shoulder. All right, so what do you think? We we bail, we watch him, we ambush him on the road? Or this guy used to travel with guards, do you know? Um, he gets careless at night. He has guard. He he's friends with the guards. He has them around, but he'll usually travel on his own. Usually because he wants his privacy. If you know, he finds a young lady on the way. Um, piece of shit. I think um, it, we can definitely ambush him on the way home if things are still the way that they are, or the way that they were. All right. Okay. So um, maybe it works the first way. I'm gonna see if maybe they'll let me in there. Maybe we can do this the easy way. If not, we just follow that. I reckon he's probably staying in one of the villages around Redport somewhere. He'd probably get himself nice and drunk. He'll walk at home. It's only a small walk, you know, maybe half an hour, an hour. Maybe he's got a man with him or something. We can take them. You can take them, Archie. Look at you. Rage like that, you can take ten men. Um, I've taken ten men. Don't worry. Yeah, I bet you have. 
I um you maybe um oh, you come with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna see what I can do. And I will uh I head to the fountain in the middle of the courtyard or whatever outside the tavern. I'm gonna like I, I take off my my jacket, I like unbutton my shirt, I'm gonna like clean myself up, like maybe I've got a piece of soap in my bag or something. Try and like wash my hair a little bit, like make myself look a little bit more presentable. I'll put my shirt back on, it's like dirty and that, but I'll I'll fasten my jacket tight. And it's a dark jacket, so maybe I don't look as as messy as I as I once did. Mm-hmm. And um I make sure I've got my, my pack of cards in my in my pocket. And um and I head over to the to the golden pillar. And I'll sort of saunter up and I you know, Archie's with me and I'll say, right, you you can wait outside. And I'll head to the to the front and say, Ah, hello there, bouncer. Room for one more. Alright. So I'm gonna need you to give me your very best um your poshest accent you can give me. Give me like a, a member of the royal family accent, Nick. One does not simply allow anyone into a tavern like this. It's uh, certainly a tavern for the upper-class folks, you know. The ones that uh, understand the finer things in life, and I've tried drinking at the the rusty bucket and the other terrible places in this town, but really it doesn't quite suit my need, you know? I've heard that the Golden Pillow, however, is a place of very fine repute, serving only the finest elven wines, and I would like to taste of them myself. Right. Why don't you give me a... Uh, this is the first time John is impersonating a noble. So this is going to be the a difficult check for you. I'm going to need you to make me a charisma check at like minus five. Because this is a difficult, very difficult thing to do. To pass yourself off as a member of a different social class. I need a 26, right? A 21 at minus five? I guess that's a 26. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, same it's same. just rolling it from the sheet. You know? Sure, sure. Same, same. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. You come up and you give your very best, like, fancy, posh accent. Um, and the bouncer on board gives you the, like, up and down. It's clear and apparent to you that this does not fly. And the bouncer that, then does this. Take make, my... Before you get a chance to say anything, the hand, like, the right hand of the bouncer lowers a little bit, and he makes, like, a like a beckoning motion, like a, give me some money and I'll let you in. Oh. You just I willing to take pocket. a bribe right away. How much uh, money do I have? Not a lot. Uh, actually, no, hold on. You just arrived in port. You were in Redport. So you took a long trip to Solemn. You got some shit. You sailed back. You're in Redport for like a day or something. And then you left. So you have most of your money still that you would have been paid. Assuming that most sailors live port to port, blow all of their money yeah. every time they, they get somewhere. John certainly does. So yeah. I probably got, what, like a few gold? You're, you get paid in silver points, so you probably have like 15 silver on hand. Okay, so I'll take like five silver out and palm into this guy's hand. Uh, he'll watch the coins without like letting his chin drop. Close his hand, put it in his pocket, open the door and say... <clears throat> right away, right this way, my lord. Why, thank you, sir. I, uh, I saunter into the, into the bar, cast a quick glance over at this guy's table, realize that I didn't actually expect to get in. I'm not sure I've necessarily got a plan, but, you know, I'll wing it. Well, 
as you glance at the table, you can see that the other man that uh, Lord Roan has been gambling with collects his cards, and he and his wife are getting up and heading out. Uh, say their goodbyes to the Roan family and exit the table. Lady Roan uh, leans over and starts speaking to Lord Roan quietly in his ear. As you... Probably not let anyone in this place these days, she probably says. Uh... <laughs> All right, have I completely missed my opportunity? Like, are they already gone before I get... Like, are no, they no, already no. sort of halfway uh, out Lord Roan and Lady Roan are still seated at the table. They're former guests that they were playing cards ah. with have left. Ah, okay. I shall get myself a drink. And I shall walk confidently over to that table. And I say, um, uh, are you looking for new players? Lord Roan sits back and goes, Ah... A gambling man, are we? <sighs> Took the last one, one for everything one. he put on the table. I'm more than happy to play, to take some more money off of someone else's hands. My dear, would you go fetch the butler? I could use another flask of, sh- uh, another glass of champagne. Um, is it appropriate for me to, I think to myself, is it appropriate for me to ask this woman to get me a drink too? It's not really, but maybe it is. So... Uh, and while you're there, could you could you get me a, a black coffee? Give me a charisma check. Is this wildly inappropriate, or do you have <laughs> enough charm that this is kind of like funny and cute and fun? Oh, fucking hell! Sorry. <laughs> the language. lady stops, like half stand, and looks at you, like offended that you would treat her like a servant. And Mister Rowe... One is only joking, mom. <laughs> Surely the lad is joking, sweetheart. Uh, but we'll probably have to take everything you own for that comment, he says, and like cracks his knuckles. What's okay. your game, I... son? He's like 20 years older. He's like 10 mm. years older than you. Do you know poker? Of course. Deal. And uh, he pulls out a bag of coins and just like pulls three gold out and sets three gold coins on the table. I must, I must have my coffee first. Uh, hang on, and I'll uh, get up and go and ask for a coffee. By the time you okay. get your coffee and get back to the table, uh, you can see that Lord Roan has grown impatient. You insult okay. his wife, and then you leave to go get some fucking coffee, and now you're back. And like his wife has reseated. He's, they've got their champagne. Um, but he's pretty pissed. He's like, okay, I thought well, we were having a game, good sir. Tell me, what are your stakes? Let's play. Um, shit, I haven't got much to bet. You have literally, not, like, there's no way you have the money to bet anything that he's put on the table. He's, like, put three gold coins. If you start pulling out silver coins, your cover's definitely blown. Like, your accent's already kind of sketchy to begin with. Um, <laughs> Is it, though? I mean, you rolled a um, two, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. Uh, shit, what do I... Um... How are you going to possibly take his take his uh, ownership of a person? What could you possibly bet that would be worth that? You literally don't have anything. You're going to have to come up with some sort of, like, lie or con or, you know, make him believe that you have something that he might want. I think this is probably yeah. a good time for our break. Uh, we're going to take a break here, to come back, 
see how this game plays out and then see the consequences of it a little bit later. So see you guys on the other side. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tides of Death. You're in this nice, fancy tavern. This new noble is before you. Um, he's already pissed at you. You've insulted his wife. Then you blew him off to go get yourself a cup of coffee. And now you're coming back down. And he's got like a pile of gold on the table and he's drumming his fingers and he's looking at you like he's impatient to like play some cards. Like he always gets everything mm. he wants and he's not used to having to wait for it. And this is a bunch of bullshit. Um, you arrive at the table. Yeah. Um, so I'll sit down. I like reach into my pocket. Sort of like, I don't know, I'll pull out a handful of coins, like look at them and put them on the table and like, so my coin isn't as rich as yours. Um, listen, I'm a, I'm a merchant and, uh, I don't have much coin on me. We've just come back from a shipment, but I have a great deal of rare goods and spices from across the sea and solemn. Perhaps we could, uh, hmm. you ever tasted cinnamon before my friend? I certainly have, and it is a wonderful spice. Are you proposing that you trade your shipment of silver, that you would bet your shipment of silver, uh, cinnamon? Cinnamon, yes. Perhaps, if that would be agreeable to you. I do have some other goods, but I would say that uh, one of the rarer things that I'm carrying that a man of your quite fine stature may appreciate. himself large bets are so exciting don't you think and his wife like puts a hand on his shoulder and leans in you can hear her maybe hear her give me a perception check perception's not my best but i hear you hear her whisper to him sweetie not again really please and he brushes her away quickly Right. Whole co- shipment of cinnamon, hmm? Whole crate's worth. Mm, I would say it's probably worth around uh, 50 gold. He muses to himself. Ah, well then. And he sweeps his gold off the table. And what would you like then in exchange? War trading goods for goods? I'm a purveyor of horses. I have some of the finest stallions and mares around. Crate of uh, cinnamon for a, a fine riding horse? Well, that does seem like a fine deal. I'm afraid it's it's no coincidence that I find myself sat across from you today, Lord. Uh, Roan, is it? Yes, how did you know? Well, you see, uh, I sort of lean across and like point out the window to Archie standing outside. See that? You see this chap outside? I don't suppose you recognize him. May have been a few years since you saw him last. I don't think I know that ruffian. I think he's just one of the uh, many poor folk that uh, you claim ownership over. I believe that I've been paying your fine self for his services for a long time now. It's frustrating, you- to say the least. Uh, like in my In my business, the... Uh, cash flow can be of an issue and I'd rather um, if I could purchase the man's services outright 
this would be uh, far preferable for me than to uh, having to pay this this stipend to yourself. He looks over, uh, over and over again at Archie, and the wife turns and looks at Archie too. And it takes a moment. He's like, "That's the young man who broke into our house and threatened me." He oh. did. Yes, he came at me with a two-handed sword. An idiot in a building, a blade that long. I'm no. Martha. I had no idea. Uh, the man is uh, a bit rough around the edges, but uh, he's always been well respectful. Perhaps his encounter with you taught him a lesson. Hmm. Good. Good. Dirty boy. What do you say then? Um, crates of cinnamon for this man's servitude. Well, I believe he brings me in quite a bit more than 50 gold a year. Well, not a year, but the long-term investment, this boy. Worth a little bit more than a crate of silver. And if I'll, you're already I'll... paying me for him, then... I understand, but, I'm, um, you know, a man of your uh, knowledge and acumen understands that uh, money today is worth more than money in the future. Hmm. If you have cash today, you could uh, invest it. But I, I, I take your point. He is a, he's a fine gentleman and uh, perhaps worth more than a single crate of cinnamon. Let me check my ledger and I will like, uh, I reach into my bag and pull out like some bit of paper. Like I, I've got some rudimentary literacy, so I probably like practice writing. I don't show him what it is, but I look down this sheet of paper and say, mm, yeah, yeah, so, so cinnamon, a donkeys. Uh, ah, uh, how about this? I also have some uh, some nutmeg. Perhaps would go well with the cinnamon. Make a nice tea. Uh, a crate of nutmeg, a crate of cinnamon. Perhaps. This I'll take the crate of to... nutmeg and a crate of cinnamon. That sounds splendid. Nutmeg is such a fine and rare spice. Indeed, it is. Hmm. Fantastic in a bechamel sauce. I don't know if your uh, your wife is much of a cook. Excuse me, we can afford to keep a cook of our own. How dare... You've insulted her once. You insult her again. I will see to it that every horse you buy kicks you in the face. Well, that is a threat. I apologize. I apologize, Martin. <laughs> it's, uh, it's in bad taste. It's all this time at sea with the sailors. You understand? Deal out the cards, young man. Yes, yes. And I... This is my big moment, okay? My black coffee, it's sat there, right? I get the cards, and I deal them slowly over the coffee, and I look at the reflection of the cards in the coffee as I deal them so I know what his hand is. Sneaky son of a bitch. Right, so you're going to know which hand is best. Yeah, I'm going to know. I mean, if it's traditional poker, I know not to bet if he's got a big hand. I mean... I assume we're not playing over a single hand here. This is going to be But that would be a ridiculous thing. It's going to be a... Yeah. I guess he'll pull out some small coinage and you'll play to whoever wins out the coins of the other person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we use some of his gold like, Yeah, yeah. Mm. He'll just put coppers okay. on the table. Each person gets 30 and whoever ends up winning the whole thing ends up uh, winning the, the whole thing, I suppose. Perfect. Yeah. So I, um, I use my... I also have my fake cards if I need to palm like a, a different card into my hand to really win. But I'm did, hoping that did I... Did you get two over sets of time. cards or something? What do you mean you have a, your set of fake oh, cards? Oh, well, I bought one deck of cards. I assumed that he had a deck in here. The ah. thing was that I was going to have the same deck that he had. Ah, uh, I believe it was, unfortunately, the other person who had brought the deck of cards. Oh, no. Uh, or, 
Unfortunate. Okay, well, I have to rely on my coffee and my considerable gambling ability in order to right. best this ruffian. Well, um... Why don't you give me a charisma check for how coolly you play this whole thing off? And you've rolled a two and a one on your last two charisma oh, checks. Yeah, so hopefully this is So don't fuck this one up. This one matters. I mean, it's for him, right? Like, if this goes poorly, he's going to end up in a ditch in the side of the road with Archie's fist in his face. So you, for his sake, I hope I pass the charisma check here. Woo. Okay, 29. Woo. All right. Total pass. Cool. So you play it off no problem that you've got, like, that you're playing a regular game of poker, that there's nothing untoward happening. You can see the reflection of the cards in the coffee cup. You know how the hand, the game plays out. Um, and you can use the advanced knowledge that you have to push him into a corner and eventually take him for all that he's worth. It goes <laughs> rather smoothly, actually. Um, and at the end of it, he, he's there holding his head in his hands. He looks out the window and goes, I suppose he's yours now. And he, like, gets up and snaps his fingers to the door. And when a servant comes over and uh, looks like a butler of some sorts, and he says, get the, I need you to go to the house and bring back the paperwork for uh, that boy that broke into that. What was his name? He looks at John. Archie. Archie's paperwork. Bring it over here for the gentleman. And, uh, the servant runs off. He'll be back in half an hour. The Roan family has moved to Redport, which is not the capital of Wake County, but it is like the financial capital of Wake County. Yeah. Once and... the uh, the deal is done, I turn on the charm on his wife. You know, I make sure. Not, I'm not trying to flirt with her. I just, I try and make up for previous grievances. By uh, one more charisma check, Nick. Really being kind to her. One. <laughs> Easy wow. thirty-two. Right, you can make things up. Half an hour later, a servant comes by with some official paperwork that talks about the indentured servitude. And here's the person that's been contracted as the in-between between the, the lord and the ship's captain and blah, blah, blah. Um, and the process would be pretty straightforward. You go to the in-between who works out of your Redport. You show them the contract. You say that you're supposed to get the money and that you wish to withdraw the contract. And then you would go with that guy to the ship's captain and say that you are now the owner of his contract. Um, and then from there, it's, yeah. you know, do you want to decide to well, tear I, it up or, I, or what? You know, I uh, let's just cut back a little bit. I, I sort of make my goodbyes to Lord Roan here, uh, stand up, shake his hand, you know, kiss his wife on the hand. And it's a pleasure playing with you, Lord Roan. I, I shall be in town for a few more days if you wish a chance to uh, get your hands on that cinnamon. He says, <laughs> dropping Very his well. noble accent and returning to his original, like, room because they were you know they were just merchants who sold horses and before that he was actually just like a not that big of a person his original yeah. accent which he's worked very hard for years to overcome comes out with a piss off get out of here very well sir there's no need to speak to me in such a manner i smirk to myself as i walk out of the uh walk out of the tavern i'll uh no i was gonna slip the bounce for another coin but i went i just Pat him on the back and say, thanks for that, bud. And I uh, walk up to Archie and from my pocket produce the, the piece of paper. And I think, I say, Archie, looks like you belong to me now. I laugh as I, uh, I, hand, him the, I hand him the piece of paper. 
Archie will not laugh. <laughs> Archie will simply look at the paper. And he will look at Ark. And he will look at John. And he'll look at the paper. And he'll kind of smile a little bit. But then his face gets a little bit more serious. And he says, we had a deal, John. We, we left my eyesight. Oh, I start to look. I start to look worried. I, I, hey, Archie, it was all part of the plan. I didn't. You know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't hit me for have that, would you? Okay, wait, look. Just, <laughs> have, you, just, have you guys just, ever? Have you guys we, ever seen those Russian slap competitions on YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> holy shit. Can I make an attack roll on John to slap him like that? You want to slap John in the face? Oh, yeah. I'll give you you one hit. One hit. I brace myself. Uh, That is going to be your full-fledged attack attack at this point. So just go to your combat tab and roll that punch. Roll the hit. We can say it's open instead of closed. Um, I'm looking to find it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, just... Roll d20 plus 5, which is an amazing attack roll for first level, by the way. Slash R space d20 plus 5. Oh, that's enough. That is. You whap him across the face. Ah! God, be damned, Archie. Fuck. And I knew you of, could fight. I'll, ex- I'll like, extend my hand towards <sighs> him to like, help him up a little bit. My God. All right. I take your hand and like, pull myself to my feet and say, um, you know, uh, before you rip that thing up, we should take it to the the town hall and get this thing authenticated so no one comes back looking for us. Come on, I know, I know where it is. He'll look John in the eye and I'll say, this is the first time anyone's ever done anything like this for me. I appreciate it, Captain. <laughs> then we got to fight a ship first, Archie, but I appreciate that. It's uh, always been a lifelong goal of mine to be a captain. You know, I always considered myself a captain deep down, you know, in my heart. I'm definitely... I've got the soul of a captain. If, if just, I just haven't found the boat yet. But um, you're welcome, buddy, you know. Getting one over on the nobles in there makes me feel good, you know. Rubs me up the wrong way seeing them lording it over people. The idea that they can own someone, pff, that's for the birds, not for me. Don't worry about it. I um, I put like an arm around him, and like we walk through the street together to the to the town hall, where I'll rip, like fasten my jacket up again and sort of like push my hair back, you know, and um, <coughs> put on the noble voice once more and head in there and say, hey, "Excuse me, I have some paperwork I wish processed." Mm-hmm. It is. You guys um, spend the rest of the day in shitty bureaucracy. You go from like one counter to another as each person like seemingly has the right thing you need only to find out at the last moment that you need form DD75 slash C in order to properly process this paperwork. And you end up spending the entirety of your leave dealing with the ridiculous bureaucratic system, which includes paying out another like 20 silver uh, just to like pay the right fees for this and to like maybe grease a wheel over here so that you can get this paperwork done today instead of tomorrow um it is a nightmare to do it through the regular legal method but at the end of the day it's all said and done the paperwork gets uh, passed around from you guys to the middlemen all the way back to your captain who you will eventually arrive at and have to break the news to him that um well, before we get there, 
as we're walking, we finally get the paperwork done and we're walking back and I'll say to our chief, well, you know, we didn't get any coins off him, so maybe we're not as free as we'd like to be, but what do you want to do? You want to go back, do one more journey, earn some coin, maybe do something else, see how things go, or you want to stay in Redport for a bit? I'm sure we can find a way to make some coin. Archie, uh, after this long day, having punched multiple walls during this uh, form-filling process, because if there's one thing that he hates, then that's filling out paperwork. <laughs> um, Archie will simply say, John, I want to be out on the sea as fast as possible. Do you, do, do you see how I'm, I'm still not walking straight here on land? I need I a get wave. it. I get Let's it. Get out Look. there. Why don't we, we can head back with the captain for one more, one more run. Wouldn't kill us, right? See how it feels like a free man. Uh, make a bit more goals. We've got time. With this time on the sea, we can talk about what we want to do. I'm up for it. And for the first time, like the realization comes over Archie that he'll be working and he'll be doing this job that he's really good at. And this time he'll be like making money for his own. And like mm -hmm. a little smile comes across his face. And I'll simply say nothing to John and start walking towards the ship. Um, as he walks towards the ship, then I've still got the paperwork. Uh, I guess it's up to me to tell the captain since... So I, I run to catch up with Archie and um, get onto the ship and sort of like gingerly look around for the for the captain. Don't know if I see him anywhere. I shout to uh, one of the sailors who I know the name of, you know, like um, mm -hmm. Dave. Dave, you seen the captain? He points a thumb downstairs. Our captain's downstairs. Got some company in the room. Doesn't want to be disturbed. Anyhow, okay. <clears throat> That's all right. He only waits up here. How's your day been, Dave? You enjoyed the shore? Shore leave? Got stuck on watch. Oh, that's mighty unfortunate. You at least help yourself to a little rum? Not on watch. Absolutely not. But I was you just know what we do with the drunken Dave. sailor? <laughs> I do, yes. <laughs> I'd rather not hear about it again until you guys know how to sink. Let me tell you, in song. <laughs> no, no. One, two, three. <laughs> no. What okay. should we do with the drunken Okay. <laughs> I sing it with him for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eventually, the lady arrives and heads out, and the captain comes back onto deck, sees you sort of waiting around with John. Captain! Captain! Can we have a word? That's... Five words right there. One more. Look at him. Confused. Um... I can't limit myself like that, Captain. I'm sorry. You know me. I like to talk. I'm sorry. You gotta forgive me. I thought it might work. Had to try it. No, no. Takes more than that to shut me up. You wanna... You want to try slapping me? Look at this. Archie slapped me around the face before. Knocked me clean off my feet. Captain tries it. Oh, shit. Whaps you in the <laughs> face. Wait, no, hang on. I've got 13 decks. I mean, I've got 17 decks. I dodge. Oh. Okay. <laughs> nice one, Captain. I laugh it off like he didn't just try and fucking knock my face off. Um, you know, Captain, while we were out there, I, uh... I did a little favor for Archie over here. I, you know, I heard about his plight, but he was in indentured servitude. A lot in life, but we all gotta deal the hand, or play the hand we've been dealt. 
Sure, sure. Well, I got some good news for you, Captain. And I, uh, I sort of take out my, my my pocket and hand him the piece of paper and say, um, I found the guy that owns it. I, I, I bought him off him. The man, he's, oh, he's a free man now. So you don't need to pay them anymore. You can pay the wages directly to him. It's been signed and everything. Look, I got all the forms, D77, whatever the fuck. He, like, looks at these forms. You can see the, like, fatigue come over his face. Now I gotta deal with bureaucracy. And he waves you down into his quarters and pulls out the papers and pulls out his papers and matches signatures and does the whole process and looks you in the eye and has you come with him over to the harbor master to like have an official double check this paperwork and make sure he's not being swindled very quickly he's a smart captain you know you always double check paperwork and you always have someone more official than you take a look at it just in case there's some sort of something skeezy going on and he's only known you for the one voyage so like hmm yeah. Um, but it all is on the up and up, and at the end of it, he hands the paperwork back to you and goes, Great, Archie belongs to you now, so I suppose I will pay you his wages instead of uh, anyone else. Great. No, no, no. He's No, no, no. He doesn't belong to me. And I, uh, sorry, Captain, wait, I'm going to get him. I, I run up the deck quickly and call, Archie, Archie, get down here. I'll Captain wants to be you. Um, I stand up straight in front of the captain and nudge Archie make sure he's doing the same he already is standing up straight he always does I uh I hand him the piece of paper and say um well Archie this paper says that I own you you've got my blessing if you want to tear it up I thought we'd wait till we saw the captain Archie will tear it up the papers are shredded taken by the wind falling into the sea and being washed away Archie will Say. follow them with his, um, with his eyes for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Say, Captain, you find out what's going on in Shirebrook yet? No one seems to know. Fuck all's been done. I say we head northward this time. Goes against the current, but hey, there's some uh, good places to drop stuff off in heat stroke and weather light. Maybe eventually we can make our way to Yatel. Great trading port there. You know, um, you spent all day in the town hall getting this stuff sorted out. I know it's a, I know it's a bit of an ask, Captain, but we couldn't have another day shore leave, could we? I could really do with a drink. You, have you know, all like day. a real drink. I told you, I was busy. I was. Ah, never mind. Captain blows you off. Um, and I think that will end this segment. We're going to take a really short break. And when we come back, we will do one last chapter with our two heroes before we end for the day. So we'll be right back on the other side of our break. Bye-bye.
Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tides of Death. We're going to pick up with our crew a little bit later. Um, this is going to be maybe two years later, so maybe a year before the campaign actually starts, or six months before the campaign starts, something like that. Our party has... Maybe more like a year, Neil. I've got a lot to do in that year, okay. in terms of... A year before a the campaign starts. Our party has sailed around for a little while, and for the first time, Archie has coin in his pocket. Up until now, whenever you've gone out drinking with people, it's always been other folks paying for you because you literally have had no money to your name. You've been surviving on whatever food and drink the ship provides, plus the kindness of your fellow sailors and what you can gamble here and there. Um, but after a little time of making money, you have coins. How does this strike Archie? Real cash in your pocket that you own legitimately and no one can say otherwise. He is probably more overwhelmed than he expected. Like he's normally not a very emotional fella, but um, it kind of brings up back memories of what um, Amber promised him the very first time he was wronged. And it's almost a representation of um john's loyalty and john's word to him um it's pretty important and i think he feels like he'd like to hold on to this um like he's always thought about like back then all he wanted was a warm place to sleep and and maybe some food but he's he's kind of found his home on the ships now and to him i think this money is more like a a representation of not only his freedom but also his um loyalty to john Mm -hmm. I also think, you know, everyone's used to okay. buying you drinks that you might just get away with, like, not buying around at the bar, right? Everyone's just used to buying them for you, so you're saving your money. Yes. Alright. Um, there was a moment where it was possible that Greg, not Greg, John could have owned your contract and that would have been that. Uh, yeah. Did how would that have been like it would you have been comfortable with john as your the the owner of your contract i think so maybe in in the moment even more so because it's just what archie is used to is serving and 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 just be, being not his own man right so which is probably why he's a little bit overwhelmed with it which is probably why he will tend to stick with John a little bit further, even though he's not technically obliged, like where he's, he technically doesn't have to. Um, I think he uh, he still feels some sort of like obligation towards John in that way, and he can't really, despite just ripping up a piece of paper, you know, he still really can't shake that feeling that, well, he used to serve um, uh, Lord Roan, and then he served his captain, and well, now he serves John, right? So I think, you know, from John's point of view, um, I mean, he went out of his way to help Archie here. You know, he wasn't doing it for his own benefit, but, you know, a friend for life earned through an act like that is probably worth more than an indentured servant anyway. You know, is a servant really going to, you know, throw himself in front of a sword to save you if he didn't have to? Probably not. A good friend might, though. Um, so maybe we're, you know, we're on shore leave, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're sat we're sat at a table. The rest of the the rest of the sailors are off, maybe in the brothel or doing something else. You know, it's maybe just 
the two of us. Maybe Carl's there. I don't know if Carl's still around, but you know, I always liked Carl. And um, I'm looking down at my purse. You know, it's filled with silver. We've we've had a really good haul. And I uh, I look out the window to the ship bobbing in the sea, and I say, you know, Archie, must feel good to have some coin in your hand, right? Not used to it, John. But it does feel nice. Let me tell you, you know what these coins represent? They don't represent the crown or anything like that. They don't even really represent wealth, you know, real wealth. There's more to it than just coin. I'll tell you what this represents for us, for me and you, for me and you, Archie, what this represents, it's freedom. We can do whatever we want. We got enough money here. We don't have to listen to anyone's orders, you know? We could we could live in this tavern for probably six months if we wanted to. We could maybe even, you know, go and get a little boat of our own. It wouldn't be a ship, but uh, we could find something to do. I just, the captain, the crew, I like to move on. Archie, I'm bored of them. You, me and you, we're friends. The rest of them, they just don't, just don't do it for me like they used to. And I don't know, I don't want to tell you what to think, but it's not feel weird being around these same people. I, I see them sometimes, the way they look at you, the way they talk to you. They don't really treat you like the free man that you are. Archie's going to look John in the eye and he's going to say, John, you know I just want to be out there on the seas. Let's get a boat together, but whatever vessel we get, let's make sure the deck is small enough that I can be on mop duty on my own. <laughs> yeah, it's probably for the best. You know, um, this place where we are here, Weatherlight, you know much about this area? Uh, we've been here a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I feel like Archie's more the kind of person who like followed along with the others and didn't, didn't really see much sense in like getting to know like all the like little corners and everything, just like the things that you need to know as a sailor as you're doing your work here. Um, but that being said, those that information is probably enough. So, yeah, I think I I think I know my way around here. Yeah, that island's the north of here, Gate Isle. You know it. You know, there's uh there's free men around there, Archie sailors that run ships, not working for anyone, captain. They're not slaves. They're not paid a wage. They're all in it together. You know, a crew, whatever they make. They split between themselves. Real freedom, that's real freedom, Archie, you know? We could, maybe we could get our own boat. I don't know how much boats go for these days, or yeah, maybe we could find some work with one of these crews for a while, make some more gold, start off on our own. But we'd be, we'd be free, you know? We'd choose what to do. It'd be up to us to say whether we're going to Solemn or we're going back to the Dardens or Drekus or wherever the fuck. We'd have a say. We wouldn't have to be listening to the captain telling us what to do all the time. What do you, uh, what do you say? We, we've worked for the captain long enough. I, I could do it if you want. I'd go and talk to him to tell him that we're, we're going our own way. I'm sure, I'm sure he'd take it all right. Archie will simply say, "Aye, aye, captain." That's the spirit, buddy. I'm going to tell him right now. I stand up, put two hands on his shoulders, like he's standing in front of him. Say, "You bloody beautiful bastard!" And I turn around and uh, I'll like confidently like walk out of the tavern head back to the docks. I mean, the, the tavern's just on the dock anyway, so it's like a, a quick, quick jaunt. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I still see the captain on the deck or something like that, or talking to the harbour master or, or something. Yeah. I go up to him and say, uh, listen, Cap, you got a few minutes? 
Uh, what is it, lad? Well, you know, these, these last few holes we've done, you know, we've made some coin. Me and Archie, we like it here, you know, and, you know, he's had a tough time of it in his life, and I, I think the guy needs some time off. And me, you know, I like to move around, so no hard feelings, Captain, but uh, I think this is where we part ways. Hopefully we do so on good terms. Uh, I needed Archie for one more thing. I, I do need him for one more thing, if you guys are going to be taken off. He's what a strong that? lad. The strongest Plenty one we've got around here on this boat. Plenty of strong lads on the crew, Captain, surely. He looks at you. We got a bit of a problem. We? we see. Yes, we. Get Archie. Meet me down in the brig. Uh, down in the hold. You gonna tell us what... <sighs> Fine. Fine. In the hold? I'll be there in a minute. I fucking walk back to the tavern, crestfallen, shoulders slumped. I walk in the door. In fact, no, I stop outside the door. I fix my posture. I try and put a smile back on my face, and I, I walk in. And uh, I say, uh, all right, Archie, I told him, but he said he needs us for one more thing. He wants us to go on the boat. You up for it? Mm. Archie's a little bit torn now because now he's confronted with um, two different authority figures, two different people that he's loyal to. Um, asking two kind of different things from him. Mm -hmm. Um, Archie's not one down to to turn a job. Um, he's learned to never say no to to a task. So he'll just say to John, "What does he need?" Sure, but I figure that he seems to think you're the only one who can do it. Why don't we we'll go down there? See what's up. Maybe ask him for a few more coins. We're free men now, you know? Our business ended when we stepped off the ship in port. Might be able to get a few more silver out of him. That ship's gonna be a mess without me. I might as well do one last job to make sure that they're gonna be okay. You know what, Archie? You're too good for this world. Let's go. You guys get down to the hold of the ship, and there's the captain, the first mate, and this other person who you don't know who you don't recognize who is sort of tied up um, and has a bit of a bloody nose what's this captain. about captain we caught this here brigand trying to sneak aboard the ship I won't say a word that's why I need Archie here big strong man that he is to Knock this guy around a little bit. Make him talk for me. You can get him to talk, Archie. I'll pay you an extra couple of silver. You and John here can fuck off and do whatever it is you guys want to do in your life. I don't really care. But the one thing I can't abide upon my ship is a rat. And anyone who sneaks aboard without my permission... Well, Archie, what can you do to make this guy talk? Archie will look at the captain and say, you know I can do things to make him talk. That's what I was hoping for. Captain comfortably leans back against one of the posts low decks. Motions casually for you to make this person say something. Before Archie moves, he will 
send over a look to John to kind of gauge how he feels about this situation. I mean, yeah. my sword is shrug and give you a maybe a few silvers, a few silver, so. Archie will nod. He'll walk over. I assume this person's kind of sitting on the floor, tied up, right? Mm-hmm. Archie will kind of squat down in front of him. Um, tilt his head a little bit to the side. Um, and just start by kind of just presenting this person that there's currently a very large bodied individual in front of him, a very strong individual that is capable of um, inflicting all sorts of damage. And we'll just kind of look at him and um, uh, we'll just ask, you got something to tell us? Guy just looks at you and says, fuck you. Um, Archie will grab his thumb and break it. Do I roll an attack roll for that? No, he's tied up. You don't need to do any of that nonsense. He's just at your mercy. So you easily break his thumb. Uh, Is this the first time that you've had to assist this one of your captains in interrogation? No, he's done it a couple times. John, is this the first time you've seen someone be um, forced into speaking? I don't think so. I mean, John wouldn't do it himself, but it's not the first time. Maybe it's the first time he's seen it. Not the first time he's heard of it happening, though. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the guy cries with a little bit of pain as you, you break his thumb. I think I wince as he breaks the thumb. Uh, but he still refuses to speak. Um, I'll have broken his left thumb here, but I will still ask. You left-handed or right-handed? The guy struggles with his his bonds and says, Right now, I'm not handed at all. Um, I think Archie will give him one of the, one of the Russian slaps. Mm Mm-hmm. Bat him around the face. Uh, he spits out a Wait little a blood. <sighs> First on the right side, and then on the left side. Right or left? You know, I think I saw your mother working down at the uh, Drowned Daughters. Says naming one of the nearby brothels. Um. Okay. Does Archie have any uh, sharp ob- objects on him? I don't think he does. Probably oh, my not sheet, right? on but you, he, he, but he, he, within the yeah. hold of this ship, there are plenty of sharp objects to be found. There's knives, staggers, playing pins, if you need something bludgeoning, needles for fixing things, anything you need. Um. Yeah, I think one of those needles will do. He'll grab one of those and... Um, just get very up and close with this person's eye with that needle. Just very, very close. I think... And, um... And he'll just say, do you want to repeat that? This is where I would like you to make me a torturing proficiency check. It's one of the skills that Archie has that we didn't really get a chance to explore yet. So let's see what it's like. Um, Roll me from your character sheet, a torturing check. 
Uh, it'll just be that purple button next to. Oh, no, you rolled it. And he got you a rolled 20. He got a, a 20. natural 20. Sweet Jesus, an apple pie. Yeah. You make this guy sing like a songbird. Uh, very quickly, the guy tells you that he, he was hired to hop on this boat. He's supposed to be looking for this thing the captain has, this bag that supposedly got something magical in it, and he spills all the details. He, he names the, his employers. He doesn't know their name, but like he knows where they hang out. He names the last time that he saw them. He names how much money he was getting for this spills the beans on all the things and when it's done and the man is poked and broken and beaten because he doesn't spill it all right away it takes a little time Uh, the captain of your ship pats you on the back puts four gold pieces in your hand archie uh, taps his nose and says we'll keep this one quiet john you didn't see a thing didn't see a thing good good well, boys, enjoy yourselves on wherever you go. We'll stick around and dock for a day or two, find some replacements, although I don't think it'll be that hard to replace you, John. We'll just need to go to the <laughs> local tavern and find the loudest mouth there. It's been a pleasure, Captain. I offer a hunt. Pleasure's all yours. Archie, you'll be sorely missed. Archie will simply salute. Yep. And off the two of you guys can go leaving in this town while the rest of Eridon falls to pieces around you guys uh, commerce has dropped quite a bit half of Eridon lies in shambles what remains of it is broken apart into fragments only Wake County that Redport, Clydesdale, Rockway of Hillsborough area is really intact um, and you guys can set off on a new life with each other for wealth, glory, fame, fortune, whatever it is that you want. Awesome. All right. This was great. We'll wrap us up for our sessions before our first session. Next week, we will be playing our very first session, a full-fledged session of Tides of Death. We'll get the whole party together, and we'll see what happens. Oh wait, this was this was so much fun. Good job, guys. It was Especially wonderful. to Neil, but also for yeah. the first time, Jan. Really good job. Well done. Thank you. Well done, everyone. Um, I think there are no questions to be had. So if you guys want to talk about this stuff, there are various subreddits. I'm sure everyone's got one, or half the people have one, or at the very least, you can head over to mine and chat about it there, or in the various discords and twitters and whatnot. Um, And we'll all be back next week for episode one of Tides of Death. We'll see you guys then. Good night, everybody. See you later, guys. Night.